see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Oh, yeah, friggin' guy. Yeah, guy. What's that? Whoa, guy. No, guy. Whoa, guy. Sometimes, guy. Spit podcast. We are up and running here on a Monday, August 20th, the year of our Lord 2018. David Lee Scales sitting across from me. Revising history. Yeah, he's calling me out saying that I used to not show up on time or that actually what he said was this is the only time I've showed up on time. I didn't say you. I said either of us ready to roll, but it's because we're recording two hours later than we normally do. Yeah, and we are recording at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center in San Clemente. They have the movie night coming up. It's at the Torrance Drive-In. It's this Friday night, I guess would be the 26th? 24th. 24th. And that is... uh, Five Summer Stories at the Torrance Drive-In. David um, remembers drive-ins because he's old enough to remember those. I mean, honestly, barely. I did go to a couple of drive-ins when I was young. I couldn't even tell you what movies I saw. I just remember yeah. loving it. Like yeah. it was having a blast. Yeah. It's a lot of real estate, man. In Southern California, that's a lot of real estate to sell like $10 tickets. I know. They could have a wave pool and that amount of... <laughs> Real estate. Real estate's pricey here. You can have a condo complex with 400 units of people living on top of one another. Right, four cars in each unit. That's 800,000 cars. All Um, right. But, yeah, shack.org is where you can find information to the drive-in Five Summer Stories event. Um, I guess there's still a drive-in operating in Torrance, so good for them. Yeah, that's kind of cool. real. And then also Shack has their second annual golf safari coming on september 17th are you involved in that or were you last year for the first annual? no um i didn't do it i had scheduling conflicts as i do this year so but i would love to do it as you know i'm a big golfer i love the game of golf it's a sport really and uh, fascinating and Shaq um, obviously survives through memberships, but also through doing events, community events like that. They just had Sean Thompson here. I can still actually smell his musk in the room. What? <laughs> that is random. Wow. Just... Um, so they do they do a lot of events for the community and to support um, musk surfing. Musk of and... Sean is you the can name buy of it, my actually. new band. It's now available. <laughs> musk of Sean. <laughs> Oh, what would the musk of Sean smell like? Uh, you know the smell, apparently. I don't know. You just told me you were was wafting through your nostrils. Dude, you're buddies with him. Don't act like you don't know. <laughs> don't act, act like you haven't got a whiff. Oh, my God. The horror of this podcast is, uh, yeah, it's shining through here. Uh, Scott, a lot has happened since I last saw you. Right. You've traveled to Texas. I did. I've got a whole bit on it. I cannot. I'm so excited. Yeah. I, I like... We had talked about it on the show that you would be going to Waco. And then I didn't realize it was as imminent as it was. And then I saw an Instagram story with you sitting poolside. And I was like, oh, shoot. So I want to really get all of that information. Um, It would have been cool if you could have gone with us. That would have been fun for the pod, at least. I don't know if cruising with you would be cool. but (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of the pod, did you record any while you were there? No. Did not happen. Hmm. Bummer. Um well, yeah, I've got a really, really hectic travel schedule through the end of the year. So um, 
it would have been tough for me to pull that one off. Why is your travel schedule so hectic? For your work Both. in the surf industry? Yeah, I've got a couple of things going on. I was in Napa this weekend, which was family related. I've got a Maui, Oahu trip uh, in October. And I, the reason why I wanted to mention it on air is just to um, get free shit solicit. From anybody got anywhere to stay anybody got boards like a bar car um no just to solicit for any podcast interest (laughs) at all i've got a number of people lined up um the standard stuff board builders pro surfers what about albie do you have albie lair or matt miola lined up or any big hitters from maui if you're going to maui it seems like i know you well enough to know you're thinking that Def, i don't have those guys matt would be the get albie's here all the time in uh, in san diego so i could track him down but uh matt would be a great one i've got Paige alms who's the w- big wave rider scott just rolled his eyes i wish this was a visual podcast um and then board builders all that sort of stuff but anybody who want you want me to cut that out you want no to no uh, no i just <laughs> So anybody, though, any general concepts? I love Paige Alms. Okay, let's just say this. She charges. Of all the chicks. She's Would you the, know her name if I said? Didn't, if yes, I just of said, course. What is she's the, the only one that female? caught a wave at Jaws during the event. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but here's the thing. I love expanding the style of content. So any general concepts that people want to hear that maybe they've heard on non-surf-related podcasts for storytelling or journalism or whatever, like I'm down to explore that. Speaking of which, yeah. I was... Sadly, when I wash my hair, I sometimes think of you. And this all has to do with your hideous, well, not hideous, but your, what would you call this? What you don't. The chop hop. Yeah. The, no, but just that you don't wash your hair. Oh, yeah. I and so I was thinking to myself, God, does he use soap? on? If, if this thing, if natural oils come out of the skin to, to cleanse your hair naturally or to moisturize it, why wouldn't you just not use soap on the rest of your body? Like, why can't you just go in the shower and let the natural oils of of your biosystem cleanse your body the way it cleanses your hair? It's a good question. Uh, I don't know the answer to it. My body will stink. I, get, I mean, the answer is my body will stink immediately. But your head like, doesn't? One day, my head absolutely doesn't. My head is- From where? From the eyebrows up or from the eyebrows? No, like, I don't where need does to wash my eyebrows start? either. The eyebrows <laughs> are included. Where does the stink start? The body stink from the neck down? Ears down. Ears down. Um, but- that makes sense. The reality is my hair is an, it, at its healthiest without any shampoo or conditioners. That's why I don't wash my hair. Right. So my body, on the other hand, will definitely stink and get funky after one day. So it requires. But that said, I'm particular about what I use. So the face wash I use is part of that exact scientific theory, the microbiome thing. Right. It's called mother dirt. And yeah. it has it allows for natural bacteria to exist on your skin. Wow. And my face. Now my, that's a musk. That's musk of David right there. Well, it's very different. It's a younger, more virile version than the musk virile, of Sean. Right, right. I mean, Sean's. When you he think was Sean's younger, not virile? His was even more than mine when he was young. But now that he's later in life, some of that dissipates. And this is all science. Do you ever get freaked out, like when you're washing your face or your body, and perhaps some soap gets into your hair, and you're like, "Oh shit, I, I'm not supposed to have soap in my hair." It's happened. I went into code blue and like had to flip a switch in the bathroom. Red lights went on right. and full like detox environment as if you like a clean room so like little dwarf men come out and get to your hair make hazmat sure. outfits yeah, exactly. i'm visualizing this yeah. this is cool yeah it's expensive to keep them on staff but it's worth it it's wor- yeah, plus absolutely. your dedication is noteworthy and i raise my coffee cup to you my friend dude how else would you get a chop up without that kind of I level know. of care um so anyway soliciting <laughs> 
Oh yeah, Maui. Back to hey, but Maui, Oahu, and then I'm also going to do an East Coast trip um, in November. Ooh. So that'll be really, really that bad. That be cold. Yeah, it'll be cold. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. Lots of I haven't given enough love to the East Coast in all of our podcasting. You know, it's like I love the East Coast. What no, you... but all of our stories, we're like South, we're Southern California centric. Proud of it though, like it's what we know. But I also am down to um, for sure. Yeah, down to honor whatever else. Did you know, David Scales, that the new boardroom pod with Timmy Patterson is on iTunes or SurfSplendorPodcast.com or BoardroomShow.com? But I would urge you to subscribe, use any of those uh, distribution outlets to go get the new Boardroom Podcast. The next one is with photojournalist Steve Sherman. And after that, Javier from XTR oh, Glassing. Good. I would love to hear and that. After one. that, I think Doc, 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 Doc from uh, Surf Prescriptions. Jeff Lausch. Dr. Jeff Lausch. Is he an actual doctor? He is in my book. What is he a doctor of? Foam, foam carving. Hmm. PhD in foam carving. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Good lineup, dude. Did you hear your voice on my groveler pod I did? No. I'll send it to you. Is it bad? No, it's really good, actually. Why? I'm uh, trying to remember what I said. So I did a <laughs> so full episode on the groveler. Yeah. I saw I saw your posts on with it. With like four different shapers chiming in. And I heard in. Brit. you put something with Brit's voice on it, like on your story. Yeah. Right. So Brit, Matt Album at Parker, Dane Hans Vulcan, and Timmy Patterson, who had just finished shaping that board for Courtney Conlog that she went on, oh. which she had a whole quiver of boards that he had built. And he's like, let's give you a groveler. And she's like, I don't need one. And then they looked at the forecast and like literally the day before her heat, she was like, uh, I think I need a groveler. So he banged one out in a day yeah, and sanded it the morning that she picked it up, went out that day and she won her heat and then she won the contest on that board. Congrats to Courtney. Yeah. So I chatted with Timmy about that board and grovelers in uh, just general, but interesting conversations across the board. And I included your conversation as bookends for the shapers to talk the reality is um, there isn't anybody really documenting surfboard design history. Warshaw is documenting a lot of surfing's history, but there's nobody really documenting surfboard design specific. And so when you want to know, like, where did this name start? Who was the first? Is it attributed to a board model or is it just? And ultimately what I figured out. It's or, more of a marketing term. You think so? I mean, I'm just riffing with you now, but as I think about it, look, there have always been boards for shitty waves. Isn't that what a groveler is? And maybe not. Maybe you discovered something else in your podcast. But I think when we, you and I talked about it, I mean, there's, you know, since probably, when you think about it, the very first boards were for shitty waves. Like the, the Olo, not- the Olo was like a 30, you know, 16 foot Hawaiian plank of koa that they rode probably and just inside the bay Kalana Bay or where, you know, I don't know. Yeah. If, you know what I well, mean? Well, the like, current definition that I've, we kind of came up with through all these conversations was only partially that it's a board for a crappy wave. Yeah. The other detail is high performance surfing. So it's a board that, that allows sense. you to surf with your full repertoire of high performance maneuvers on crappy waves. Right. Because otherwise you could say that a longboard is for crappy waves or certain longboards. So are- where was the first groveler? Not necessarily by name, but by its characteristics in the water. And obviously we would go to, um, it sort of depends what you consider high performance surfing. Because in 1964, you could it could be suggested that Nat Young, some of Nat Young's boards or the boards that 
McTavish was making, um, you know, those were maybe the first grovelers in that there wasn't shortboards yet. It was just the very beginnings of the shortboard revolution, but they were narrowing up the nose. They were doing big turns, Nat Young specifically, now, were Midget Fairly specifically. So, But were those boards specifically designed for crappy waves? Uh, I, I don't, don't know about that. I don't think uh, in back then it was like one one board for everything. You know? My tracking of it lands kind of in the mid to late 80s with like no, I think fat, fatter foam. What about Reno's fish that he rode in at Manly or whatever that MR saw and was like, or maybe it was Puerto Rico, but wherever it was, Reno Abelera's fish ignited MR's curiosity and got him to go, holy shit, Reno is flying on crappy waves. He's absolutely flying. And these guys are on seven, two single fins and bogging. And Reno's just ripping around. And that's where MR's like, oh, and it was the bumblebee fish that MR went to Dick Brewer a couple of years later and went, I want something like what I see Reno riding. That's the most precise landing point that we've had in all the Grava conversation. Got, so it's got to start there. I think. I mean, at least let's. That's as of now the furthest back we can go. And then the other question is just when was the word first introduced? Yeah, that's more of a marketing question. I think. Yeah. I mean, because that's just that's a cultural thing. Like, right. You know, so I, I, it. I don't know if it carries as much weight in the conversation as. The deeper conversation of you know when did the board start to perform in shitty waves? When did when did we start to change designs so that we could get ripping and shredding yeah. in crappy waves? Yeah, yeah. And back then, what was it called? Like, if we want to go to the marketing terms or the the, the vernacular of what you know, it was like it was just a small wave ripper, or it was like you know super fast fish. Who know? You know, I don't know what was Reno. Reno definitely had a name for it. I know we could go online and find it. It was. Yeah. So that that was the other question was like, did the board or did the name, was it ascribed to a certain board model? And was it a marketing term? Or was it just used as a general term for a, a grouping of a genre of surfboard that could be used in those types of conditions? You know, well, I think competition might have something to do with this because you know, competitions would happen around the world at various times, at various dates, various locations. And oftentimes, sadly, the waves are crappy and you had to grovel. So this concept of, oh, man, I got to grovel. Oh, shit. It looks like we're going to be groveling today. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to put on a jersey and grovel. At some point, somebody goes, I need to make a groveler. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm wondering if competition had a lot to do with the yeah. marketing or the, the, the coming out of the manifestation of the word. The evolution of the genre. Well, um, awesome. So, Scott, a couple of sponsors we need to shout out. Yes. Neatessentials.com. Yes. I wore my Neat Essentials at Waco, my board shorts. Nice. I wore my board shorts on the slip and slide in Napa this weekend. That is – I'm more proud of you for that than me. <laughs> I'll send you a boomerang of it. Uh, <laughs> don't post it. Uh, dude, seriously, I haven't been on a slip and slide in 15 years, at least 20 years. It is awesome so much fun it was unbelievably fun uh, uh, so neatessentials.com they'll keep you dialed on the slip and slide on the ski slopes or in the water um, obviously wetsuits boards or board shorts and outerwear and then of spy. course spy optic who's sponsoring our must see moment which will come at the end of the show which but, i have and you have we each have our own maybe so plenty of love for spy but anyways point is support the the brands that support this podcast that keeps Scott and I in biz. And uh, by the way, may I 
Uh, yes. Shout out for Boardroom. I need some sponsors for the Boardroom Pod. So if you're out there and you want uh, me to talk wonderfully about your product or your service, I will do that. I am easily bought and sold. And I will... Boardroom Pod. I will tell those potential sponsors that the relationships that we've fostered with sponsors over the years, they have nothing but glowing reviews about the return on investment for the podcast medium. <laughs> wow. That's... Yeah. Highly Good stuff engaged, and very boring. Highly engaged listenership. So thanks to the listeners, too, for engaging. Um, among the other things that have happened, Scott, Tahiti. Yeah. Um, new WSL Wave Co. stuff. Tons. Of, I got tons of Wave Pool info. It just keeps coming. Should we tell people that we're invited to Surf Ranch Pro to no. report on it? No, we should not. Okay. Oh, too late. Okay. Well, um, Actually, I'll, I'll, you and I need to discuss that. Like, have you got a, do you want to talk off air about that or can we talk on air about that? I think we could talk on air. Are we going to do a podcast from the Surf Ranch on September 8th, Saturday? 100%. Epic. Will it be between noon and four? Because that's the only time I will be there. I'm going to be, so what my plan is, I'm going to be there through the entire four days and I'm going to be recording virtually the entire time. You're just going to be cherry picking dudes right off of their heat just grabbing dude it's gonna be dave prodan is gonna be marching them over to you exactly he's gonna be your producer Inclu including general public that is there i'm gonna get lots of don't don't roll the eyes again scott right. let me show you what this show is gonna look like and you will not roll your eyes you're right. like hey that is thorough journalism there david Skins. Right. keep it up uh but i'm gonna do God, i'll say that but go ahead i'm gonna <laughs> uh you will say it at the end of that uh I'm going to do four days, kind of like a recap show every day. So the day that you're there, we will definitely devote as much time or as little time as you want and recap what's happening. I think my what my goal is, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that happens at these events that I think is like the WSL is doing a great job of covering what they're covering. They can't cover everything. And behind the scenes stuff is that you and I are always questioning as we're watching is what my goal is going to be to produce. Um, think like Peter King does the tour notes thing, which is great, but it's still limited. It's all cut into very small segments and it's only three, three minute runtime. Like let's get in deep and interview coaches about things, interview shapers about things, interview the fans about what they thought about that thing. So that's the objective. This, the, the problem that you and I are going to run into tell me is because we are now brought into the fold, we've been entrusted with a space on site to talk WSL is will we fall in will we fall victim to evangelizing is that a word to evangelize evangelizing everything that we see or will we be able to put a critical eye on it and be okay with it if they say you know what you're not being of service to us anymore you won't be invited back now i'm not saying we're going to do that i'm just saying like are you going to be, I mean, it's because I, frankly, I find it hard to do that. Like I'm that. just a happy guest and I'm going to, yeah. I am going to, you know, like you should almost put it out there in front that we're not here to, to it's, it's a fine line, I guess is what I'm saying, you know, because we appreciate more than anything, the acknowledgement um, by the WSL that, that we're a voice that they trust and will invite to be there. Like yeah. I'm stoked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, of and, and of course I'm a fan of the pools and everything. And we're fans of the WSL. So I guess the idea is let's just be Bob Costas. You know what I mean? Like let's be let's be open-minded and fair. Yeah. Let's not be overly 
joyous unless the you know unless the situation suggests that you be joyous or let's not be overly uh what's the word I'm, i don't want to say hater but you know critical well yeah you don't want to be you want to be bob costas i agree with you completely yes it's a valid concern and it's something that i thought about but my my kind of resolution to it is there is a middle ground there is there is a way to go into that environment with gratitude and appreciation for the position they've put you in and access that they've given you, but still be critical and respectful and thoughtful in your analysis. Absolutely. You and nailed it. Yeah. So I think that that's okay respectful, to do it. Respectful, thoughtful in your analysis. And critical. And critical. I think that that's what they would want us to do as well. For sure. To be honest. I don't, for sure. I've never had the impression from anybody at the WSL that they've only wanted a glowing reflection on what they're doing. Yes. And I think that they've actually, I think we can state pretty um, clearly or just confidently that they've made adjustments to what they do based on a lot of things that have been discussed on this show. And you and I aren't the only ones recommending these things because they're just kind of in the ether and a lot of people are discussing them. Yes. But they use feedback that they do that is projected towards them so and they I deserve don't um kudos totally, for that totally so and we've done that we've done that and i don't think so i don't think that they would ever put us in the position and be like here now fawn over us for these three or four days that you're here right um but it takes work to actually be critical and to figure out what the analysis is without being Without just slinging mud, you know? There will be no bombs thrown, no no mud slung. It will all be respectful analysis. But I'm down to do the work, man. A la Bob Costas. Let's do it. Who's just, I'm just using him because he's a pretty professional human yeah. being. Yeah. Although he did have an eye problem during the Olympics that one year. Do you remember? No, I don't. He had like a red, he had like pink eye. His eye was just all red and inflamed and twitching. That's during the, I think it was the Chinese Olympics. Should have been wearing his spy sunglasses to cover that up. I and agree. seeing happy at the same time. I know. Things would have been different for him. Well, what do you want to talk about? Waco. I, I'm Let dying begin. here. So I went to Waco. We f- Here's what went down. I'm going to give you a blow by blow. Okay. You can chime in whenever or you can wait till later. Can I ask one question? Uh, you can More if, than one. If this steps on the story, refuse to answer. Did you do an air? No. Damn. No. I totally let you and the masses down. Did you attempt an air? I did not even attempt an air. I did bust the fins out one time on a top turn. Solid. In front of Shane Magnuson. Did you see the <laughs> did you see the Luke as Davis? Did you see the Luke Davis clip that I talked about on the show and then sent you as an air tutorial? I did not. Remember Thank I you. I know, it? I appreciate that. You just didn't click the text? No, I did watch it. No, I watched it. You did. It. I'm yeah, sorry, the front yeah. side I watched air. It. Yes. That's a great tutorial, it right? It, it feels is. like you watch and you're just like, oh, I guess if I spent a day at that pool, I could do that air. That's what it makes you feel like. Right, but here's what you need to know. Hmm. They don't provide that section for you as just a general consumer. Very good intel. Yeah. Okay, get into it. Let's so go. we flew into Dallas, Texas, Love Field from San Diego. My son, Hank, myself, my good buddy, Walt, and his son, Dom. And Dom and Hank are both 19 years old, and they're good buddies, maybe 20 years old. We flew in on a Monday evening, David, from San Diego. It's a quick three-hour flight to Dallas. We arrived at the airport at 10 p.m. We got into our rent-a-car, and we drove two miles to an airport hotel for the evening. We woke up in the morning, 
drove one hour and 35 minutes at 80 miles per hour to Waco. Along the way, we bought a styrofoam cooler. Apparently those are legal in Texas. We loaded it with drinks and ice. We drove off the freeway toward the Barefoot Ski Ranch. We were all curious, soaking in the state of Texas, David. The vast stretches of farmland, the fast food restaurants, the rolled up bales of hay, the numerous lakes that you could throw a fishing line into. On the road into the Barefoot Ski Ranch where the Waco Wave Pool resides, we drove past a series of homes some looking like meth factories, many looking like homes filled with young families, swing sets, goodness. Numerous toddlers with bug bites roaming around the yard like free-range chickens, only in diapers. We turned into the facility, our two sons frothing, gyrating, vertically moving up and down in their seats. Walt and I were, of course, psyched as well, but trying to contain ourselves. We parked, we walk into the pro shop next to the wave pool, and I engage the pretty young woman behind the desk, who is very kind and helpful, and is the wife of shop professional Shane Magnuson, who is also very kind and helpful. His wife's name, Courtney. Courtney and Shane Magnuson. Here's a hot tip for you. First tip. Ready? Yep. Sign your waiver online in advance of your session. It'll save you time. They'll beg you to do it when you go online. So the four of us signed up for two expert sessions. This is what you're offered when you go online right now. You get an expert session, an intermediate session, or a beginner session. I signed us up in advance for two expert sessions back-to-back, -back, two hours, and then a break for two hours, and then one hour of intermediate. So we got there. I rented a board. I rented a super brand um, board that they have killer rentals there 35 bucks for a rental and i um you know we got geared up we we talked to shane we talked to the guy that's in front of you know the kind of like 15 minutes before he goes okay sit here do this do that and we paddled out there was nine guys in the session for the expert session so the expert session is the style of wave that they're providing yes that's what expert refers to yes no trainer or it's not like there's a surf coach in the water providing expert guidance there actually is a guy in the water at all times with you okay. i wouldn't say he's an expert trainer or anything but he'll he basically goes dude the next wave's coming you know Done. like and it's and it is tricky it's very tricky in fact um because for the expert session the first wave comes but you don't want he'll tell you he'll go look the first little bump don't take it it's not the first wave the first wave is actually after the first little bump, then the first wave. Then there's a little bump between the first and second wave. and So don't take that, but then get the second wave. It's very confusing. There's three waves in a so set. So what is the expert style of wave? The expert style of wave is a very punchy, um, shorter ride that, um, that, frankly, I found difficult. I didn't enjoy it. You can get barreled. You can pull into a section. Um, it's the one we see people backdooring. No, no, that's a wave that's not allowed. You have to pay more to get okay to get the wave that they show you of, with Seth Moniz and Donovan Frankenrider and all the guys. Anytime you see that air section, that's what they call the. I think it's called the professional level, or okay. no, it's called a private session. Okay. That's what it is. It's a private session. So the private session, I think, is 2500 bucks an hour. Not per person, though. 
I think that's divided by nine, so it's like two hundred and fifty bucks an hour. Okay, more or less. So you got nine people in the pool. Nine people in the pool, and you get in groups of three. And within the three people, you go, okay, I'll go on the first one. I'll go on the second one. You go on the third one, and and then you go and you and I missed my first wave. Oh, fully missed it. Oh man! And it comes quick, and it and you don't see it coming. It just like pop, like literally the guy in the water, the little instructor trainer guy. He's like, okay, here it comes. Get ready, get ready. And you do, you know, uh, you and I, yeah, we surfed Kelly's wave. You know how you line up on a number or something along the wall. And that's the same thing. They have a banner there, like a sticky bumps banner or whatever. And you line up with the banner and the wave, you can see the wave coming, but it, it, it doesn't look like too much of a wave until it just pops up on you. It just jumps up on you. And you, it was frustrating for me are you standing next to your board are you sitting no, on your board deep water you're sitting on your board okay. in fact here's tip number two don't sit on your board make sure you're laying down on your board the reason i missed many waves is because i'd be sitting on my board and thinking i could just casually lay, get onto my belly and start paddling for it by then the wave passed me by right and i would suggest to you that of the waves that came to me during the expert session i bet a third of them i either didn't catch Maybe not a third, maybe a little less than a third. Let's say a quarter for my ego. A quarter of the ways I'd either didn't catch or I, or I didn't, or I fell. I just blew it. You know, like I didn't, I didn't pull it off for whatever reason. That would mean three quarters of the ways I did do okay on. But I found the expert wave, and this is me, you know, and I consider myself a pretty good surfer. Um, I found it really fast and kind of sectiony, and by the time I got my shit together and got to my feet and we had and was ready to do a turn. The thing was like running past me. And, um, and I was a little, I was stoked to be there. You know, I was, I was super stoked to be there, but, um, but I think, and I didn't vocalize this to anybody, but I think internally I was kind of like, Oh man, I'm a little bit disappointed. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of wanted to rip and I was more often than not, um, chasing the wave or, racing out in front of it, trying to get in front of it so I could do a turn. And once I got out there, the wave was over. Um, and this is all on me, by the way. This I'm not trying. This is my fault. Like, I'm not trying to place blame on the wave or the any of that. You know, like, may, yeah. maybe I'm not the expert that I think I am well, is what no, I'm getting at. Well, my assessment, and I'll let you correct me if I'm wrong, is I've surfed with you a couple of times and I've seen the way you surf. And, and you have a very point break style of surfing where you're mapping stuff out way in advance and planning your maneuvers. That style of wave sounds like Newport Beach. It's like if you go surf the dumpy beach break that just like get up and do one move and try to blow the fins out or whatever. If you were a if you were accustomed to surfing Newport Beach all the time, then maybe you'd go out there and rip. Does that yeah, sound no, right? That's or is it fair. That's the failure fair. of the wave itself? No, no, no. It's not the wave at all. I, part of it is because you are a good surfer, but it's a stop. You're generally surfing a certain style of wave that allows you to map out your ride. You know. From beginning to end. And and of interest is that it, the guys in my group, there's me and another guy that is, that's my age and our two sons. And my two son, the two kids are really good surfers. You know, like my son's pretty damn good. And the other guy, Dom, is a fucking red hot surfer. And Dom, um, even they were kind of finding it somewhat difficult. You know, like. Got it. But once they kind of got it dialed, they were having a blast and they were busting airs and doing all the stuff, you know. And Dom and I, or Walt, I mean Dom's dad, the two old guys were um, starting to get the hang of it and we were enjoying ourselves and we surfed that wave for two hours. And we must have caught, 
I bet we caught 20 waves each hour. So plenty, a lot of waves, plenty, tons of waves. There's yeah. never, a, you know, it's like when you were done with your wave, by the time you paddle back out, you sat and you talked to a guy about your ride. All of a sudden you're up, yeah. you know, it happens quick. And so that's people, really a cool part of the, the, the scene. Yeah, I appreciate that. So we finished our two hours and we took a break and we went and we had a meal and just sort of like so, so food they could probably improve a lot on that i'm sure they will they were in i mean this place is new they were building the resort i mean when we were there it was this thing's not going to be in full like flight and completely combed through from a qc point point of view and um probably for a year you know but um so anyway we ate we came back you sit along the poolside um there's a sandy beach there's umbrellas and beach chairs and it was probably, you know, I bet it was like 93 degrees air temperature and um, the water temperature was probably like between 80 and 85. It wasn't bad at all. Um, the water does have that kind of weird coloring to it. Have you seen the pictures of yeah. it where it's kind of this weird green? And if you scoop up water in your hands like a cup and look at it, you can't even see your hands. Like it, it's not translucent at all. Hmm. Now, I was told... A couple of things. I was told they put that dye in the water to kill algae. I was also told that there's fish in the lake, that small little fish that eat the bacteria and the algae. Hmm. And I was also told that the guy who owns it, the Barefoot Ski Ranch guy, just wanted a color that was more like the ocean rather than the brown color that <clears throat> you can get at Kelly's Wave or at Austin at, Inland, at the Inland Wave Park. Got it. So it's a little freaky. And when you do pull in the tube, and, and I did pull into a couple of, you know, I don't, I wouldn't call them tubes, but they were like just little moments more or less. It's dark, super dark. Because the water is, it's like as dark as water you've ever surfed in your life. Right. That's so that's kind of weird. Now that you say that, that I have noticed that <clears throat> on videos online, it's always dark. So our flight left at like 6.30 and... And our last session was from three to four. And we were an hour and a half away from the airport. Wow. So we're like, look, you know what? The, it's okay. But we kind of anticipated after after having lunch and kind of going, eh, it was okay. But I don't know. You know, it was just, it wasn't really what we expected. Like I expected the barrels that I saw on the videos on YouTube. And my kids were expect the kids were expecting the air section that they could see coming and blast into. And none of that panned out for those first two hours. And so we're going, oh God, the intermediate session is just going to be worse than that one. You know, like, and we sat there and watched a beginner session as we took in the sun and whatever and took in the, you know, the environment and atmosphere. And and so our intermediate session comes up and we're like, look, let's just go for half a session and we got to bolt to the airport and if it's going to be crappy like I think it is, let's leave early and, and jump in the car and get there and not have to rush. And we're like, okay, that's what we'll do. And so we go out for the intermediate session. And the, after the very first intermediate wave, it was insane. It was killer. Like the wow. intermediate wave was so much more fun and so much more rippable and gave you so much more time to, to, to kill it. And it's a longer wave. And it kind of like feels the bottom of the pool more, more like a sand bottom point or something. Okay. You know what I mean? Whereas the expert wave, it's shorter and it all comes into one peak and kind of dumps over on itself and runs out quick and has these sections that that if if you go around them you miss your chance to hit them yeah. you know but the, but they're it, dumping too they're so dumping. it's hard to hit it's hard to hit yeah 
the intermediate wave just lines up and feels the bottom and and you can I got a good little tube and you can just do numerous more than you know three or four or five hacks down the line awesome and during our intermediate session Shane was our Shane Magnuson the, the resident you know director guy was was in the water with us kind of being the coach now the intermediate session allows for more guys they'll put 12 guys in the water for the intermediate session there's still three waves in a set the waves are longer way more rippable we immediately went you know what we're staying let's just stay if we miss our flight we'll reschedule but this is super killer like it was so much more fun and um and shane even said dude i like the intermediate way better i like he was like it's way funner it's way more rippable and here's the cool thing is that for the intermediate session there was a lot of kooks so poaching was ripe like three guys in a row wouldn't wouldn't even catch the wave like the wave's still pretty difficult to catch you got to know what you're doing to catch the wave there and so I was poaching and then it allowed you enough time to poach a couple waves and make it back out to your spot in the lineup. Wow. Yeah. So I was just banging out waves and we were ripping and all of a sudden we were just stoked. And, I'm, and, and so we all decided if we went back, and this is what my suggestion might be to listeners, is do an intermediate session, do an expert session, and then do another intermediate session. That's how I would do it. Now... It's a little embarrassing to say that you like the intermediate wave better no, than not. the expert. Well, it's it could just be a reflection you... on their engineering. Right. But okay, fair enough. But if it is embarrassing for you to say, yeah, I did, I'm doing an intermediate session. It's kind of like when you're dating, like. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> it's kind of like when you're dating. <laughs> oh, oh God. No, dude. When you're dating a fat chick. Am I going to get hate mail? No. When you're dating a slightly overweight woman and you love this woman, or she's fun to be with. Let me put it that way. She's fun to be with. She's engaging. She's a little bit overweight maybe, but it's all good. But it looks better if you've got the supermodel when you're out on a date, you know? So it's it's kind of like that. Like you're, you'd rather be with the fat chick because she's fun and she's super and you're having a good time. But it's a little embarrassing to say you're dating the fat chick. You'd rather say you're dating, you know, Gabrielle Reese or whoever, Giselle Bundenshin or whatever. But how is it to spend time with the supermodel? It sucks. That's what I'm saying. I spent two hours with the supermodel and I was kind of like internally, I was kind of like, I was disappointed. I was a little disappointed. And again, that might be on me because, by the way, right after our second expert level where we had time to kind of sit back and kind of talk and take it all in, like nine super red hot pros like evan geiselman oh yeah some other guy like these guys were ripping the the expert level they didn't do the private session they were just surfing the expert level and they were totally tearing it apart Mm. um but But, they were quick to their feet these guys were expert surfers would they have surfed even better at the intermediate level well they would have enjoyed the shit out of the intermediate wave that's my point it's not a lesser than wave it's just a different wave right right well, here's a strategy that I have in place for the supermodel fat chick scenario that you've laid out. Always tell the supermodel to bring a friend. That way they can talk. You don't have to actually engage with them at all. How they're, does that they're the ones talking. Yeah, but how does this how does this how oh, does you this mean, metaphor work within the surf park world? I didn't know Oh, were we talking about surf parks? I thought <laughs> yeah, we were just talking no. about dating strategy. I'm married. What are you talking oh, about? Oh you're practically oh, married. Sorry, sorry. Is she pregnant yet? You don't even know anything, dude. 
What's going on with your love life? Married. What's going on with your love life? Are you still with her? Um, yeah. What's her name again? Dude, don't do this. <laughs> oh my god, I got him where I want him. What are you embarrassed by your girlfriend? Not embarrassed at all. Then why wouldn't you tell me her name? Uh, first of all, I'm depressed or sad that you don't even know her name after <laughs> meeting her multiple times. And <laughs> I've like, met her one her time. attending your She's event. She's a great young woman. Her attending Beautiful, your event, way. running the show. I don't know like, if you're worthy of oh, her. Yeah, I agree. I'm the fat chick that you were talking about. <laughs> Does she know this? <laughs> She's like, dude, David is nice to hang out with, but uh, I'd rather have a supermodel on my arm. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, is she pregnant? No. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> so that's my wake up. So I want to know what questions total, do you have for have, me? What have I my, missed? My first question is total investment. How much did it cost to okay. pull this off? And then in the end, was I want to say it was two fifty for the round trip ticket to Dallas from San Diego on Southwest. Then it was another um, probably eighty bucks for the rental car. Maybe a hundred, no, one hundred and ten bucks for the rental car. It was two forty, and we split it. Then there's gas. So what are we at now? You're at five hundred right there. Well, you mean with my son? Just for well, let's assume for one person. For one person, so, you're looking at so we're at three fifty, four hundred. Then intermediate's only sixty bucks. Pro or expert level is ninety bucks. So one hundred and eighty, another sixty, so two forty. So like I'm at like six fifty or something. Hotel. Hotel was another hundred. So you're in for a thousand bucks, basically. Thousand bucks after food and buying for a one day surf trip. For a one day deal, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of money, dude. That kind of is. You could probably do it cheaper than I did it. Yeah. I think you could do it cheaper. I, I guess the sixty to ninety dollar hour thing is worth analyzing. Did that feel worth it? Well, for sure the intermediate for sixty I think is worth it. Okay. And I like I said, I wasn't super stoked on the expert level wave, so yeah. I was kinda like, ah. Yeah. You know? But it was you know, we were just learning as we went kind of thing. The other thing that we have to acknowledge is you could do a thousand buck surf trip. You you could spend a thousand bucks to go to Mexico for a period of, I don't know, a week or five days or something. You could go down to Baja and live for two weeks. You know, like there's, there's a lot of surf a trips way you could to do. do it. Yeah, this was more There's of, a lot of ocean-oriented surf trips. Absolutely. Let's think of one real quick. Like what's the cheapest one? Like you could go to, let's say- El Salvador? Let's even do it more like Gaviotas, like Northern oh, Baja. Yeah. You could drive to Northern Baja. That's going to cost you. Do you got to get your car ready? Do you got to do get no. a tune up? Do you are, no? Okay. I could just leave. Okay, you could just leave. It'll so, cost, what's your gas? Yeah, forty bucks. No, twenty five. Thirty. Twenty five bucks. bucks. A full. Okay, tank. it costs you to to rent a house at Gaviotas. It costs you like two hundred and fifty bucks a night. Yeah. In the property itself, yeah. yeah, but you could stay in an Airbnb for 50 and 60 bucks all up and down that coast. Really? I've done it. Okay. I did it recently. You mean just right, but you can't surf the wave at Gavio. It's not necessarily that you would want to. It's not the best way. No, but, but there's plenty of options to surf. Like I was there okay, last. So Airbnb, I was there last, but between the last time we recorded and now, I think. Okay. I was in Baja um, and I'm going back next month. Where do you, do you just Airbnb it? Airbnb along the coast and they're a hundred bucks and under all day long. You could find plenty. Cool. And I, the one that in we little had. In little communities yeah, near like. The one that we had was um, on what, this what compound. Community? Just north. It wasn't in a community. It was just north of uh, Ensenada in this compound. Oh, like La Mission. Wasn't in it. Wasn't in a property. It was an oh. individual house that was like a compound, okay. like really secure. Cool. Like, and then they had a guest house on like, that like, property, like north of South Sopoitas or north of Ensenada? just south of no- South Sopoitas. 
South of Sal Sabuetas? Just south of Sal Sabuetas, north of Ensenada. Right past that toll booth at San Miguel. Oh, okay. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So On the but, east side of the road? No, on the ocean side. Oh, wow. On the ocean side. Cool. And then there's a wine producing region, yeah. Guadalupe Valley, that's Famous. from that point in, inland, mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Yeah. Like unbelievably accessible. Oh, yeah. Fantastic restaurants all around. You drive through it on your way down the coast. Through what? The through wine that region? wine valley. You don't. Oh, well, yeah. if you take the coast, you don't. You can avoid. Yeah. Along the coast, you don't drive through. Well, I mean, you, as I recall, like on your way to Santa Tomas, you go through a wine valley. Like oh. it, it just depends where you're coming from, yeah. I guess. Because anyway. if you just come down from Rosarito along the coast, you want to go through it. Anyway, it's yeah. it's an inexpensive trip, right? Like so for. Oh yeah, that's what we're talking <laughs> yeah, about. exactly. You could do Baja honestly for four or five days for three hundred bucks. Well, where you lose the return on investment is the airfare. So if you did an airfare to Cabo, airfare to Cabo, I bet, is about the same. I bet you can find it for like 300 bucks if you leave out a TJ on Valaris or something. So the, the, and the rent a car in Cabo is expensive. You got to have a rent a car in Cabo. And so if you can stay at a place for a relatively cheap, I guess you could do four days for a thousand bucks, maybe in Cabo. Could you do four days? Yeah. But would you catch sixty waves? We caught six, 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 six. maybe not. But and you're contending with crowds in Cabo. What I would argue is, and I haven't done your Waco trip, obviously, but the Waco trip sounds like you'd do it once. Like it'd be a fun thing to do once. But if you're going to do a surf trip every year, you'd continually do these ocean-oriented ones. Yeah. You know. So. Well, like I'm going to mainland pretty soon on a week-long surf trip and it's like 1400 bucks plus airfare and it's all inclusive yeah and the airfare was super cheap i found like i, I just found a stupid like 150 bucks round trip swear to god crazy so that's gonna be sick but yeah. it's swell dependent <laughs> you know what i mean i hope there's waves yeah so, yeah, yeah exactly that is the one that's thing. the one thing you know well, you're gonna get waves but they're not big waves you know the waves in waco they're but a novelty. Yeah. It's fun. It's for sure a bucket list. Did you Now, see- the bigger question, and this is the one that's asked of me a lot, like now that I'm back. Oh, I'm, can I guess what it is? Yes. Surf Ranch or Waco? Exactly. Or Inland or, or well, Typhoon Lagoon. That's out. That's four. out. Right. We know so, what it's between. It's yeah. between these two. And there is no doubt that Kelly's Wave Pool is way friggin' better. Oh, okay. It is just awesome, in my opinion. Compared to way better to surf, way better to surf. Yeah, I mean, you're talking. You know, you've been there. How long were those waves? Seven hundred yards. Seven hundred yard rights that tube that you can rip that you can do big turns on and pull in and just get. Spy- I mean, in my opinion, and it's kind of interesting because it kind of speaks to the way you characterize my surfing. Is that it just that wave fits my surfing better too? Way know? better. So. Yeah, and not just rights, by the way. Yeah, I go left when it's good. There is left in that pool. Um, well, did you hear Stab is doing an air I competition? The that you fell on. Remember, I got. An I don't remember because I ra- I expunged it from my memory. It's on video. Video, don't lie. I've got it on my I phone know. right now. I can show it to you. I know. I won't do that. I know. That's don't ever show it to that's, me again. Uh, mean. Um, Stab's doing an air competition in Waco. Did you see this? No. Oh. I'm excited to share this with you, Scott. Yeah, they just advertised a couple of days ago. They're hosting an actual air contest in Waco. You want to hear the contest format? Sure. Waves will be scored from a 0 to 100 scale on a static event-wide scale. 
Judges will be able to look pa- look back at past completed errors to keep their scoring consistent throughout the event. And they're going to be stingy with scores. Um, the benchmark so far for an error that's been done in that pool is Seth Moniz's backflip, and they're ascribing 80 points to that right now. So, like, that is the 80-point 80, 80 benchmark. Now there's 100 points in the scale, Everything that happens in the event will be judged against what we know is the current standard. And you just Why do they do eighty? Why not eight? With with decimals, like eight and a half. What does it matter? I mean I they know. could That's, I just don't, well, because then I don't becomes, know, maybe it does matter. I don't well, know. Because I'm just wondering why be, they did eighty instead of eight. It's strictly um semantics at that point. So it'll be eight point two versus eighty two. Like who cares? You know, it's the same thing. Right. No, you're just moving a decimal. Yeah, no, you're not. So uh, maybe to create differentiation between what the WSL is doing. Yeah. Maybe there was a strategy there. I, I don't know. I just think it's it's all it's going to play out the same because you'll just add right. a decimal to it if it were that scale that you're talking about. Only airs will be scored. So turns, blow tails, club sandwiches, none of those will count. Airs <laughs> must be completed. No club sandwiches. You can do it. But That's it won't not be scored. Airs cool. <laughs> will be completed with con- uh, must be completed with control and ridden out under the power of the wave, with at least the nose of the board breaking free from the white water. So you have to complete your ride. Height determined by the lowest part of the body. Speed and distance covered. You know, like that that gets factored in. Style gets covered or gets scored. Progression and creativity get scored, so any weird grabs, tweaks, spins, rolls, flips will definitely be noted. And then landing will also factor into the score. So the cleaner the landing, the better. Do you think we'll find um, – are there any WSL surfers that are being invited? We haven't seen the guest list yet, and I would assume Felipe needs to get invited. Idolo, Gabriel, those guys need to be invited. You know, in the past, the ASP used to hold this sanctioning sort of um, over their heads, over the surfers' heads. In other words, if a specialty event happened and you wanted to invite ASP surfers, the ASP would say no. And if you go do that event, we're stripping you of points because you're strictly an ASP surfer. Do mm-hmm. you think that this is going to play into this? Do you think the WSL will say, hey, Gabe Medina, yes. Felipe, you can't do that? Yes. And I, I do think- too. And so if that happens, then the heart of my question is, I'm looking at Gabe Medina right now. I'm looking at the two, some of the two best competitive aerialists in the game, Gabe, Idolo, and Felipe. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have an event without those guys, isn't it, is it – a valid and cogent. Yes, it still is. Because there's guys that are off tour that are just as good as those guys. They're not just as good, but they are very good and they're very worth watching. I think that um, Stab needs to focus on those guys and those are the guys we want to see. You and I don't get to see enough of some of those Who's, guys. Is it going to be Matt Miola? I would love to see Matt Miola. Who else? I would love- Josh Kerr? No, because he's involved with the WSL. He wouldn't do and it. And to be honest- He's too old. There's a million other guys I'd rather see. I've seen right. Josh Kerr surf plenty in the last decade. I would rather see. Um, How about uh, our uh, goofy foot friend Clay? Clay Marzo. Yeah, hundred percent. Love to see Clay. I would love to see Mason Ho. I would love to see Brendan Gibbons. I would love to see Cam Richards. I would love to see Chippa Wilson. I would be interested. Chippa in, Wilson was at the ranch when I was there. I was at Waco. Was he shredding? There was one guy who I didn't know who he was. It might have been Chippa that stood out from all the other guys that were in that one session. 
He was a goofy foot. Is Chip a goofy foot? Yeah. It's kind of Cro-Magnon looking like Wade Carmichael a little bit, like kind of like. No, he's uh, pale, white, freckly, blonde hair. Oh, uh, no. A lot this, of tattoos. No, this wasn't. Like Does that. real techie airs, though. Mm-hmm. Um, who? What did the guy look like that you're talking about? He kind of looked like. What were the sponsors? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really look. And he was goofy foot. Yeah, but he was going, they were ripping the right. He was killing it. Airs? Yeah. And he was. He was far and away, in my opinion, better than the other guys in the water. How? Just what age? speed, quickness. He's like 23, 20. I don't know. I need to know a sponsor or two to yeah, make I, this I call. Tell you. I, I guess I did see that crew was there when you were there, and I was going to ask you about it, but I forget who the crew was. Now. They were all really good, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other thing, in regard to what you're asking about the WSL I don't even know who Brendan Gibbons is. South African. Um, Why do I want to see him? He's unreal, dude. Is he that much better than those other guys? He's very unique style okay. and like really, really radical. Um, Who else? So, well, let me let me answer, address your question about how the WSL involves themselves with this. I think it would be incumbent upon those WSL surfers to almost just blockade it, like don't participate in it for two reasons. Number one, risking injury, right? Be stupid of them to go do this event and get injured and then not be able to vie for a world title because all three of those guys are, Gabe, Idolo, and Felipe. But secondly... Don't undermine the value of the tour that you are on and that you're really your employer is funding this thing and you want to elevate it as much as possible. Don't go then do a, what could be considered a competing event. Now, you and I as the fan would far prefer to see Felipe compete against Chip Wilson and see how that all shakes out. But as a business decision for the WSL and for Felipe himself and his own brand, just continue doing the surfing on the WSL. And by the way, I've been a proponent for the last two years. The best surfing in the world is happening on the WSL. And if that is true, like the best airs, Felipe at J-Bay, like go on with examples. The best power surfing, the best barrels, all have been happening for the last couple of years in the WSL's platform. So if that is true, Felipe, continue to make that true. And that only elevates your brand, their brand, all of your association and affiliation. These side projects can exist and Stab should continue to pursue this. Red Bull can continue to pursue their thing. But if you're going to do the best air of the year, you better ensure that it's on the WSL's platform if you're Felipe Toledo. God forbid you went and competed in Waco and did a better air than anything you did for the WSL. The house, it jeopardizes the house of cards, you know? Well stated. Not that the WSL is a house of cards, by the way. Exactly. But, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You totally nailed it. It's in your best interest to stick stay on brand here. Totally. And the WSL is your brand, believe it or not. They, and at this they help point, you a lot. all the cards are on the, all the chips are on the table. Which is, brings a whole nother issue, which I'm not sure we can tackle right now, but at some point we should, which is, do the surfers on the WSL have any power? Like there was a point in time on the ASP tour when the surfers had a ton of power. I mean, they had their own union. What was it called? Like Pro Surfers United or something. And mm. they seem to have some power. And I'm not sure they have a whole lot of power. But I guess they're getting some, the WSL is giving them some um, like retirement. Are they giving them a health plan? Those types of things. I, so I, interviewed Mick Fanning last mm-hmm. week. I don't know if we talked. I, don't I think, saw that you interviewed him. Yeah. yeah. And I asked him about that. He said that they, 
been, like the WSL has heavily invested in the athlete experience. And all that you and I have seen, I told him, I was like, all that we've seen is that you guys got a locker room, you know? And he's like, no, no, no. Like they're definitely very athlete focused, taking all the feedback from the athletes. We didn't discuss retirement plan, but I know that that was reported initially. Um, so I don't know what that looks like, but he felt very uh, listened to on the WSL. But he's a world type. I mean, he's a world champ. I don't know if that's different. I don't know if um, yeah, it's in the WSL. Wiggly Dantes is getting the same love as right. the world champ. But they do have a surfer's representative. I think it's Ace Bucken who's advocating on behalf. But even that's weird. Like when you're on tour, you shouldn't. The representative should be somebody like Mick Fanning, who's got tons of clout, has retired, is a world champion three times over. But he's not in the day and day. He's not in the day. I'm just saying that's the type of person. Like if you look at Isn't union representative, if you look at the president of the NFL Players Union, he's a retired like gnarly NFL offensive lineman that has like a degree from Harvard. You know what I mean? Like he's super smart and he's there to represent you, the guy in the trenches, the proletariat that's working every day. And he sees the NFL as... Um, look, we're going to need to work together right now. You're my adversary because yeah. my guys over here want as many benefits as they can get. I think our sport's a little more incestuous than well, for sure that is. is. And but my point is, is that the guy, it can't be Ace Bucken who's on tour. You can't have a guy that's actively on tour, competing. Yeah, actively yeah. competing, doing right, taking on that role. It's I, just I guess then the WSL would have to incentivize somebody like Mick to actually travel throughout the year with them. And he's well, the not, WSL, it's in there. Best interest of to course. not have this person, whoever this person is. Like, let's just say it's Mick. Right. Because they don't want a bunch of people knocking down their door going, hey, um, what about the benefits? Oh, we'd like all the, we'd like some vacation time. You know, like all of those things that are HR related things. You know, that's, it just seems like the surface, it's, it's kind of, for me, it's like the elephant in the room, but it's not even an elephant. It's a very small thing in the room. Like nobody's addressing it. And maybe it doesn't need to be addressed. Maybe... These guys' sponsors all take care of their health care. Maybe Hurley takes care of everything. Maybe Rip Curl takes care of everything. Maybe Well, for the that. guys who have those main sponsor deals, but what about the guys like Wade Carmichael right. or the working man? That's my point. Then all they're of those left guys. out. Now, in the NFL, I think you have to have like five years of active service before you can become a part of the pension program. Like what about Sonny Garcia? Like Sonny Garcia was on tour for like 20 years, you know? Does he, is he getting a pension? Definitely not. Well, we don't know that, but do you think he should? I would argue, I would bet money definitely not. Yeah, I, you know I kind I mean? of would too, but do you think he should? Not no, necessarily he, him, but guys like him. No. Guys like Barton Lynch. No, guys shouldn't. Like, no. I think it's more analogous to the UFC. Or to tennis. I wonder how it works in tennis. Yeah, because the NFL, it's a league of teams. It's a little bit different scenario. Yeah. I mean, I know we have the word league in WSL, but it's not the same. It's kind of uh, contract employees who make it to the big show for a year and then go away. It's like know? golf. Yeah. Is there pensions of the PGA Tour pay pensions to the golfers? No. I think like the best that we could do is they provide, the WSL should provide some sort of resources for athletes when they arrive on tour, hand a, them a handbook and go, here's how to manage your finances. Here's how to access yeah. 401k information. Here's a list of people that you should be communicating with yeah. to make sure if you get last place this year on tour, you yeah. will earn $108,000 or whatever the number is. Yeah. And from that money, here's how you should allocate yeah. it, you know, to ensure yeah. that. Yeah. And just a bare minimum kind of like yeah. hand up. For sure. And um, 
provide the resources for the people to make the right decisions. But the WSL, it's not incumbent upon them to. No. They're not running that type of a business. No. You know. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So did you hear they have a new CEO for I the do. Wave it's pool? in my notes. Do you want to go there? I think it's a perfect segue considering we're talking about wave pools, WSL. And, and Disneyland. Hey. Right? Nick Franklin is the new president of the Kelly Slater Wave Company. The key area is a focus for Nick Franklin the new president of the Kelly Slater Wave Company, will be driving the growth and development of the business globally, pursuing strategic and operational integration with the WSL, and leading the continued innovation and evolution of the product, including the Wave, the venues, and the customer experience. Franklin joins the WSL following a long career at Walt Disney. During his 18 years with Disney, he worked in corporate strategy and in the theme park and resort business unit, where he led teams across a wide range of functions, including global strategy, business development, real estate development, and brand and operations. So, probably a great hire. I'm sure they did their due diligence. I'm sure they had a lot of great candidates. Who wouldn't want to be involved in this? Frankly, it's a pretty friggin' exciting time to be in the wave pool business, yeah. especially from a real estate development and all. I mean, there are just so many opportunities. I think, I think this guy's in a good spot. He's he's in the you know this is a new sort of category, if you will. It's an interesting move for him for his career. Um, I think it, I agree with you. It's a great hire for the WSL. Um, it indicates to you and I exactly what we've been, it, uh, I don't know, guessing or hypothesizing is that this is definitely a theme park model, you know, um, and your experience at the BSR wave ran or wave, whatever pool cable park, BSR cable park, the barefoot ski called. ranch. Yeah. Barefoot <laughs> ski ranch cable park is what it's called. Right. Um, your experience there validates that as well. It's like, 
you have lunch, everything is self-contained in this environment. Have lunch, go hang out at the beach, watch the thing that you're gonna pay hourly for, then go participate in the thing you're gonna be hourly for. Rent boards from the park as well. Like it's all an ecosystem that's self-contained. So a theme park is logically the most analogous kind of business model. So to hire somebody that comes from that world I think is definitely a good uh, strategy. What's interesting, Scott, um, in 2000, what what Franklin is best known for at Disney is all technology related. So in 2009, uh, he was the head of the global business and real estate development team at Disney. They actually brought him in to launch this new project. They, they were internally calling Next Gen, but outwardly it was known as Magic, My Magic Plus. And it's a many tentacled technology project that included the reservation system, allowing visitors to book attraction times up to two months in advance, microchip embedded wristbands that allows them to interact with sensors installed throughout the entire resort. So it was basically a modernization of their current theme park. They had all these rides, all these people coming, they've done well, kind of- Archaic though, the, but how, then, how you got there was archaic. With technology, right. yeah, it's like, well, how do we, organize all of these people that want to anticipate and then also maximize efficiency for all of these human beings coming and going and the data that the, here's one get. problem that we have at disneyland yeah. giant wait times in lines right. how do we and that's actually a deterrent now people aren't coming to the park right. so how do we make that more efficient and franklin was the guy who led that program for Automated. All the all data that you can get from those chips on those oh, wristbands yeah. is insane. Kidding? Like how many Cokes you bought. Yeah. And, blah, blah. and before you know it, on your Instagram, there's like Coke ads. And you know exactly. what I mean? It's, it's so The data is valuable. My buddy last year went to um, Walt Disney World with his family and he was telling me, I forget the numbers now because it was a year ago, but it was like, you know, for 1300 bucks, I could buy a pass for, I don't think it was per person, because this buddy wouldn't have spent that amount per person. And that number feels low for the entire family. So maybe it was more than that. But it was it felt like a lot of money to me. And he was like, for this amount of money, I can buy a pass for the three days. And we can just get food and drink. Like we preload this card and it allows you, it entitles you to this many food and drink and blah, 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 blah. And to like the front of line or whatever it was. And when he crunched the numbers, he actually was losing money by buying this pass, but he was willing to do it to not have to deal with number one, lines, but number two, pulling out your wallet every five seconds and feeling guilty about the expense. Mm. Once you're actually like pulling it out and you're like, oh my gosh, a Coke is $8? <laughs> Outside the park, I can get it for a buck ninety-five or whatever it is. Going through that mental melee created a lot of consternation for him. So just buying a one-time pass and accepting your fate, walking into the park with impunity was worth it, you know? So that's kind of neither here nor there to this story, but it's but Franklin was, I guess, responsible for leading that project for Disney. Um, and it, I realized at that time that my buddy was telling me, amazing business model for Disney. Get it out of the way in advance. Give them microchips and the empowerment to just kind of walk through the park and do what they want to do. And they're, you know, it's, it's well, interesting. It's, you know, you bring up that, that Franklin's a good hire because of the theme park connection. And I think he's, I don't know, we and, you and I don't know shit about what, why he was hired or what his highest qualities might be. But the, you mentioned the real estate development side of it. Because for me, the yes. Kelly Slater Wave Company, to me, 
I see it's not a one size fits all. It's not like a stamp them out cookie cutter thing, you know, like he, like for instance, in Southern California, the theme park model might not make sense because whatever no, just doesn't pencil doesn't. out on a spreadsheet. Yeah. But what does make sense is the Monarch Bay golf, you know, like you tie yeah. in a golf course, a golf course with a wave pool with, and, and you you just market it to guys that have got, you know, net worth of $4 million or more or whatever, you know, and, and that, and so, and then there's a different model in Texas, you know, and there's probably, which would probably be the way, the theme park model. And so just based on different regions, these models are going to be different and the land acquisition, all the, the real estate development side of it's all going to be different. And I think probably he's got a ton of expertise in that, just knowing that, you know what, we have to do things differently here than we do there because of this. And I'm sure he's, uh, I'm sure it's a, a pretty quality uh, move. And I think the other detail there is he headed up that project at Disney, which means you're managing hundreds and hundreds of staff and um, that are all remote, you know, and that are, a lot of it is just coding and like so- development for software and that sort of thing. And that's really what the project is for what you're saying is having all these different teams in different places that are doing not only land development, but also um, staffing, you know, scaling at that level is a very, very complicated thing. And he has the experience scaling a business, you know, uh, at a much, much greater rate than what the wave park thing will be. Like the Disney scaling, I would say, had a lot more layers and complexity. This is actually going to be more simple by comparison. But again, I, I looked at it as an interesting career move for him because it could go bust. I don't think that's why it's such a good move for him. I don't think, first of all, he did 18 years at Disney. He's set. He's probably doing really well. So for, I mean, this he was is with KB Holmes after that. I mean, too. I think he's probably laughing because he's got a super small thing. So this Rel- is a passion. Relative, yeah. Yeah. And relative to the, the difficult layering that you just mentioned about working with Disney, he's like, dude, this is a piece of cake yeah. and it's so fresh and new. And and this is the new thing. I'm going to be on the cutting edge and it's re-excited my career path. And, I'm stoked to wake up and go into work every morning and I get to hang out with these surfers. And, you know, it just seems like a, a really good time for him, you know, like a I great timing. I, and I could also see working with the WSL, it feels like a... Fresh. Yeah, and, and there's also not all the bureaucracy that's exactly. involved in Disney. It's like exactly. he goes and meets with the the key leaders and goes, oh, it's all just a couple of people here. And there's, yeah. We can get things done. Yeah, exactly. we can actually make a decision and make something happen. Right, this feels awesome. Let's yeah. do this. Being able to kind of flex a little bit and yeah. explore. Yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's way more liberating. I agree. I yeah, great. Uh, so it, it's interesting. I think it's a great move. I think the other thing that uh, there's one element you read it and you go, oh no, Disneyfication of the wave pools. Great, but the I don't the, care about the, that. Uh, the other side of me was like. No, this actually shows how serious they're taking it. Yes. And I think that um, I was optimistic about the direction, knowing how serious they're taking it. I mean, you know, we've said this a million times. For anyone that's groaning about wave pools, dude, go to Gaviotas. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares that you think it's lame. Right. By the way, this might put a little ire in Nick Franklin. A new surf league, the National Surf League. Have you heard of this? Nope. The National Surf League, somehow this is tied to Greg Weber's wave pool in Australia. Oh, okay. There is um, Greg Weber's wave pool in the USA is a licensee 
uh, OCD is what Beach Grit is calling this company. Anyway, that's the licensee of the Weber Wave Pool here in the USA. And they're rolling out a new Weber Wave tank with the creation of the National Surfing League. So they're going to have a whole competitive league just wrapped around this new wave pool that's apparently being has been approved for its first uh, build out in Australia between the Gold Coast and Brisbane, right on the Pacific Coast Highway. So land is cheap in Australia. And once that thing gets built out, it's sort of a proof and concept. And the cool thing about the Weber, or at least what Weber, and Weber is a huge self-promoter. I've interviewed him before. He's a very good talker. He's a very excited guy. He really believes in what he's doing. And he's the first one to kind of get in your face and tell you how great his stuff is. Uh, he's saying that his technology allows for currents in his wave pool. In other words, he has little jets on the wave pool surface okay. below the water that flows up little bits of air that creates rip currents so that and he can control these jets and he can control rip currents and you and i know that what's next to rip currents in the ocean usually dredging mean ass beach break waves right next to the rip currents i'm always searching for a rip current i want to be right on the edge of it knowing that there's going to be a pretty good wave there yeah. so he's going to be able to create little currents and he can also dial them down to settle everything too to make it glassy so He's Greg Weber is claiming that he can get a uh, thousand waves an hour in the main body of his pool. Now again, Greg Weber is pretty good self promoter. He's kind of a he's kind of reminds me of Don King a little bit. Really, <laughs> he's kind of like mine's the greatest, but with an Aussie accent. Didn't it? Well, yeah. No, go ahead, please. <laughs> Don King related story. <laughs> Didn't he, isn't there? Isn't it fact that he like beat a man to death and got away with it? Like if you look up, I remember hearing this manslaughter. I'm pretty sure this is a real story. No, this and is like, a real story. This is a real story. This, that was way back when. He, oh, so you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but truth isn't truth. So. And he got off. <laughs> like he's out there living. Like he never got prosecuted. He sounds like a horrible human being. I think you're on to something. Like robbed, <laughs> robbed Mike Tyson of all this money. Like robbed everybody he's ever worked with. He is uh, not somebody you want to be in business with. Who? But we're talking about Don King, not Greg Weber. Let's make sure we make that clear. Wait, Greg Weber is an Australian shaper who's also behind the Weber. Yeah, Weber. yeah but you're the one. Oh, okay. Um, also, notable hairstyle, which I can appreciate. Don King's? Don King's, yeah. Yours is short how is, as how is Greg? How is Greg Weber's hair? I think he's a little balding. We need uh, to pull up a picture of him. Weak. Lame. Try harder. Greg. Anyway, so the... No, here's my thought on that, though. Scott. Yeah. The technology exists. You don't... We don't need to keep discussing all... I mean, we do, but... Yes, the technology to make amazing waves exists. That is not in question. We're going to continue seeing different wave pools try different technology repeatedly. The rubber hits the road with whether or not you can capitalize your business. Whether or not it makes sense financially to buy land, run a wave pool, run that technology over and over, maintenance that technology, and get people to come and spend the amount of money that you need to charge them to finance the operation. That's all that matters in the wave pool race. And I don't think that's a problem. I think there's plenty of land all over the place. And, you know, like, I mean, they're developing one in desert, in uh, Palm Desert right now, not one of these. Plenty of land all over the place, but is that land in proximity to a surfing population? And how much does it cost to run that business? And can you get enough right. people to come? I agree. 
That, I mean, and I, it's, I honestly. But he wake, likes to tell you about his up. waves because he's a surfer, which I kind of get. I, I get it. I'm down. I want to see the waves. I But I also know the technology exists right now. You know what right. I mean? So electric cars can exist right now. But, but we're the infrastructure also, doesn't exist. But we're also at such the beginning. I mean, we're literally at the beginning of this whole thing. So it's kind of fun to see new iterations of, of technology course, coming of along here. And he's basically saying, hey, man, no two waves will ever be the same at my wave That's pool. That's cool. No two waves will ever be the same like based that. on the technology that we have. But now, can now my question to him would be but can you make two of the identical waves? Cuz it would be nice like Kelly's it's nice to have that opportunity but also it's rad to do the snowflake thing that he's doing. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Snowflake. Uh, that's, great... <laughs> that's what he should call it. <laughs> Send that to him. Snow Snowflake Wave Park. Um Good. No, I mean I'm I'm not poo-pooing it at all. I'm down for it. It's interesting. The National Surf League. What do you think about this? A new surf league that their USA licensee is going to start to compete against the WSL. Sounds like something Donald Trump did with the USFL 35, 40 years ago. It is designed to compete against? I don't know, but I mean, just by its very nature, you're calling it the National Surf League. Sounds like a competitor. Yeah. Sounds like a purely wave pool surf league. Yeah. So who will the, will the first wave pool world champion come from? The WSL's version, Kelly Slater's Wave Park, or from the American Wave Machine version, or from Wave Garden's version, or from Greg Weber's version, or from Mark Ocalupo's Surf Lakes in Australia. If it doesn't come from the WSL's version, the KS Wave Co. Tech, I think it'll be looked at um, very poorly. Like it'll be looked at with a lot, with an asterisk next to it. It'll be looked like at Felipe as a side Toledo's show. world title this year. Yeah, it'll be looked at as a sideshow. Because you need uh, the organization that the WSL has developed in terms of a governing body and the way that they've run things takes years and years and years and years yeah. to kind of get to. Yeah. And whatever wave pool national surf league that develops in the next couple of years just won't have that kind of cachet. It'll just be looked at as a sideshow, you know? So the WSL needs to put their stamp of approval on it for you and I to actually take it seriously. And if they have one event a year at Surf Ranch and Felipe is doing gnarlier tricks in it than whoever the sideshow is doing, then it negates the sideshow, right? It does. Yeah. It, it will never compete with the WSL, not no. for 30 years. No. It probably won't even come to fruition. Right. Greg Weber does not have... a a receding hairline. I'm looking at him here. I remember interviewing him now. Um, yeah. So his hairdo, pretty plain Jane. Just bummer. He's got to work on that. Yeah. Here From a know. marketing standpoint, Here's he a needs to work on that. Oh wow, weak sauce. <laughs> <laughs> he he really needs. That. He's a cool guy. I remember interviewing. He was cool. Not cool as he would be if he had a cool hair hairstyle. He's a very confident Aussie bloke. Let's put it that way. Um. Well, Scott, do we need? We're late in the show. We haven't even talked about Tahiti. Did you watch Tahiti? Of course I did. Okay. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are Julian, what the hell happened? What the hell two happened exit. to Julian Wilson? Round two exit, he caught one wave. He only needed a 1.84. Yep. I did not watch this heat. Could he have just scrambled into something small and got a 1.8? He could have 10 minutes prior to the heat ending, but he was waiting with priority. Uh, and by the time... He recognized that he needs to scramble for something, which let's say is the three-minute mark. Yeah. Nothing came. 
So this wasn't really a loss that's pinned on him so much as it's a loss pinned on Mother Nature. He did strategically did everything right. Okay. And he had a wild card trials finalist in yes. his heat. Yeah. And no um, offense to that guy at all because that guy's got big wave nominees, but he was surfing uh, less than head high left rip rippable left julian would smoke that guy every single day of the week like if just no questions asked and that guy would admit it yeah julian was the heavy favorite going into that heat times a thousand yeah and julian applied the correct heat strategy the ocean simply didn't provide four surfable waves in the heat it provided three julian got one and got the highest heat score the other guy got two and those two scores beat julian I wonder so if anybody was, made money on that heat betting in Australia. Oh, really? That's a huge... I mean, you could have gotten rich on that heat. Do you know the numbers? I don't. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, throwing what out there? I wonder if somebody got wealthy. It's a fool's bet. Like, you shouldn't have bet it. That was a stupid bet on his part. Uh, but uh, Tahiti Pro final results. Gabe Medina beat Owen Wright in a nail-biter. And um, Gabe Medina just looks unstoppable. It's going to be fun. Is it going to come down to Gabe and Felipe? I think Idolo can make a charge. Um, Julian can still make a charge. Julian's basically yeah. 800 points out. Julian, But as, as emotionally as he... I, I don't is, have it left in me to put my heart behind Julian. You dude. started the season off saying he was going to be the world champion. Yeah. That yeah. must suck. Every year it sucks. Because I told you that Felipe or Gabe was going to be the world title. Did you? <laughs> Roll the tape. I don't think he did. I feel like you brought... Yes, I did. No. Oh, so Julian is endlessly disappointing for me because I love him so much. And he's technically so sound. And his surfing is so beautiful. And he's so capable. And he just freaking disappoints me with these things. Um but, but yeah, it'll be a Gabriel Felipe. Again, Idolo could definitely make a charge, especially going into beach break or wave pool and then beach breaks. Do you think that, you know, do you think that the, how do you think the pro surfers really feel about going to the Kelly Slater wave pool? Not psyched. I asked Mick too. He's like, not psyched. I sense like Joel Parkinson was like, oh, I'm not going. But then he's like, all right, I'll do it. And there was a, some video of Matt Wilkinson kind of going, kind of mailing in a post, his response. post-heat interview. They asked him, like, oh, yeah. what are you excited? I guess like, I'm going. He was like, oh, it'll be. And then, like, thought about what he should say versus what he's feeling. Yeah. And I was like, uh, fun? Yeah, and I think Jordy uh, Smith sort of didn't. He was like, well, I don't know. It's a si- Again, it's a sideshow. Like, these guys are obviously very core surfers. And them going to the middle of the ocean in Tahiti and risking it in these life-threatening waves at Chopu is what they live for. Going into the agricultural center of California with tons of fan pandemonium all around them is not what they signed up for. I think that surfing could evolve into that where you become the celebrity and you're like Justin Bieber walking into a concert with tons of fans screaming your name. But that's not what these guys are used to. It's not... It's not the part of the job that they love, and it's they're making that transition now. Do you feel like personally that you're going to be well, – obviously, you're going to be witnessing history, but do you think in 10 years or 15 years you're going to be like 
looking back, obviously you're going to be looking back on your time at the, the very first ever WCT event at Kelly Slater's Wave Pool. And is it going to be a positive remembrance? I think it will be. I think. I mean, this is kind of historic. Totally. I don't think that it'll alter my personal surfing experience in any way. And I don't think, I think that um, the excitement of Pipeline and Tahiti and those types of venues will still be around in that 20 year reflection point. But, and so I think that this is also cool. This is also, it's in addition to, and it's also interesting and fun and cool. What surfers do you sense are super excited and, and glad that they're having an event here? I could see somebody, part, of the, modern, part of the modern crop who's embraced what I was just talking about, that celebrity kind of dealing with fan experience, would enjoy this. So Kanoa is a great fit because... Those are the really smart ones that are going to market yeah. themselves towards the fan he's, base. He's used, they could really do something, and it doesn't even matter how they do in the event. Kanoa's had a reality show in Japan since he was eight years old. Like he's used to that type of experience. Right. And with the Huntington Beach, look at the way he embraced the U.S. Open. Yeah. Pumping up the crowd. Every- that was quite an American celebration he gave, by the way. That was not Japanese culture, at least what I understand of it. That that exuberant, that like fired up, that guts. That he was, there was there was a lot of guts, a lot of like raw Americana in the way he. Yeah. Portrayed himself to the public after that aerial in the final. Yeah. Um, Which was great, right? Did it seem contrived or did it seem spur of the moment? This is how I feel. This is a great debate I would love to have with you or discussion. Um, My thought is it was sincere. The experience of surfing in that arena with that many people is palpable. Yeah. And a lot of surfers can try to block it out but to block it out is almost um, not doing a service to the energy that's kind of on hand and also not acknowledging that the judging and the judges are also subject to all of that energy and so while i feel there's been other examples of surfers who needed a 5-5 and they got they surfed a wave to let's say an 8-4 and they thought oh i'm going to draw this crowd's energy just to bump it up to the 5-5 and that is contrived i felt like kanoa's was sincere in that he knew he needed the 8-6 or whatever he needed and he surfed the wave to the best of his ability not knowing whether or not he would pull it off and when he landed he sincerely felt that much enthusiasm and then he coupled that with all of the fans wanting him to be able to land the trick and it was a sincere kind of coexistence of those things community of those things yeah so undeniably he was acknowledging and pumping up the judges and the fans but he was also surfing his heart out and embracing the enthusiasm so i guess if that was sincere then then sincerely you you could you could sort of suggest that he's sincerely, truly an American and not a Japanese. In that, You're putting that on it. I well, don't think that that factors into him or the fans. I'm just wondering if I mean if that's a natural outburst, if that's a natural reaction. If he was, if he hadn't been brought up where he was brought up, if he had been just brought up in Chiba or whatever, and came and surfed and won and did that thing. There'd probably be some 
Japanese culture that would be draped over him Maybe. so that it wouldn't be polite to behave in such a fashion. Whereas here, it's like, cool, yeah, Kanoa. Yeah. I think you're making a good and a salient point. But I also think that Kanoa was raised in two cultures. And for you to kind of embed your perception of what Jap- Japanese should be and put it on him, who's actually Japanese, who actually lived in Japan, who actually was raised in a Japanese household and an American, you know, experience is a very myopic view of Japanese and what Japanese should be. I mean, he's authentically Japanese American. And so the way that he is living, I think is an authentic expression. I don't think, but I I also understand what you're saying. Let me put it this way. I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you think based on the reaction that you saw from him, is he more American or more Japanese? I think he's Japanese American to a T. I didn't ask you that. I said, do you think he's more American? Like more, there's more American culture and ethos and norms and mores that are sort of, that manifest themselves in the way he reacts? Or do you think he's more Japanese? <laughs> I understand what the point that you're making. Traditional Japanese that you're referring to he was not exhibiting traditional Japanese decorum that we are accustomed to as Americans, you know? But again, I'm what I'm highlighting is that your and my perception of Japanese might not be the modern interpretation of Japan, you know? Fair enough. Don't now, you think? Well, here's well, this all started with who do we think is going to do well? Uh, who's going to embrace the Kelly Slater wave pool, right? And I think Kanoa is going to, if you were going to pick a winner, right? You would pick Felipe, Kanoa, Gabriel. Um, maybe Gabriel. I almost sense he doesn't really like it. I I think that too all the time. And then I realize that he's hanging out with soccer stars and like has more Instagram followers than Kelly or anybody. I, I just think that this event more than any, I wouldn't put my money on a guy like Wilco who no. to the guys that are openly going, I guess I'm going, I don't really think it's kind of a sideshow and a circus. I mean, they're not, they're, I'm putting words in their mouth, but you can, it's, it's quite obvious that they're not, super stoked on totally and so, so the guys who embrace the arena the guys that are embracing it are yeah. the guys that we want to put on our fantasy teams do you think julian wilson is going to embrace us he needs a really huge score here so interestingly i think julian will embrace the surfing and the competitive side of this but i don't foresee him embracing the fan experience because he wants to focus on winning heats but like we saw with the U.S. Open, it might be that you need to embrace the fan energy to really uh, maximize the scoring potential at this particular venue. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Even to see how the public address announcer, how the WSL decides to format that and frame that and the energy that that guy gives. Like when you go to motocross, like you go to Anaheim or you go to wherever, right? And you see the Supercross? No. the yeah. It's not Supercross, it's the other. Well, anyway, you get what I mean, motocross. It is Supercross. Yeah, Supercross is outside only. I think in the arenas it's called motocross, but I don't know. Somebody I thought else, it was the opposite. Maybe it is. I don't yeah. know. I forget. But my yeah. point is is that in the arenas, the announcer guy is really kind of like drumming up the audience and getting everyone to go, let's give it's it up now for theatrics. Ricky Carmichael. That tells you how old I am. Ricky Carmichael, you know. It's the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday guy on the radio. <laughs> That's right. That guy's yeah. insane. Ladies and gentlemen, we got the hot guy. <laughs> Okay. Um, anyway, so that's coming up. That's coming up soon. Surf Ranch? Yeah. Yeah, September 6th through the 10th or so. 
Or sixth through the ninth. In first place on the WCT Jeep leaderboard, Philippe, Philip Felipe Toledo from Brazil, 41,985 points, 42,000 more or less. Gabe Medina's in second place with 35,685 points. Julian Wilson, 10,000 points behind the first place guy with 32,380 points. Idolo, 30,160 points. Wade Carmichael, really, can Wade Carmichael even mm-hmm. catch up? 25,500. No, but he's a can contender he, for the rookie of the year can, for sure. Can he, well, he's got to be the rookie of the year. Well, it's close Griffin? between him and Griff. What about Idolo Farrar with 30,000 points? He's 12,000 points behind the leader. He can yeah. catch up if the leaders fall and he has a great result, right? 10,000 points if he wins an event. We've got so, this event. We've got Europe. France, two, Portugal. Two, two events in Europe. Yeah. And then one more event. Four so, events total. So look, who I always look at. Uh, Pipeline, Julian Wilson, and Gabriel Medina are the favorites there out of that group of people. Yes. And that's presuming that the waves are actually proper pipe. Um, in Europe, on the other hand, you've got Idolo, Felipe, Gabriel that are kind of the... I'd throw Julian in there. Well, too. Julian's won Portugal. Julian's good anywhere. Yeah, it's true. Julian doesn't have a place on the tour where you're like, oh, he's not good there. Yeah. That's a good point. He's won Portugal against Gabriel, too, in mediocre surf, where you would have favored Gabriel. Um, I think it's a. I think Gabriel, honestly, at this point, I think Gabe's going to win the title. That he always does really well in the back half of the year, like this season that we're going into. Yeah. He always crushes. I know. Even when he's in like low position on the rankings. I agree with you. And so... He seems to peak at the right time. Yeah, and he's... Honestly, the kid's going to win multiple world titles. He's only won one so far. He's hungry to win more. Um, he's hungry to well, do well. you and I well. said he has to win three. Yeah. And he's hungry to do well with John John sitting on the sidelines. Like, oh, this is his that's time to make asterisk. up we're calling. I'm calling an asterisk world title. We need to revisit the asterisk conversation with Felipe, by the way. He... I suggested that he was going to uh, lose at Chopu round three. Turns out it was rippable lefts at Chopu, which he serves really well in. And I think he ended two up- asterisks, not just one, but two. What's the two? Twice as lame. Yeah. <laughs> well, so he made the semifinal. No, he served great. I watched it, but it, it was three to four foot with five. I mean, it was small Chopu. So next year going into Chopu, we're still going to be having the conversation. I think so. Yeah. Until until we see him in free surfs just charging out of his mind or something. Like, right. you know, I heard those guys, Peter Mell and some other guys yesterday, basically saying he's got the monkey off his back. Did you no. hear that? Yes, he doesn't. I know. Yeah. I can't believe they're saying that. After Look, yeah, he did go early and he did catch one wave that we've seen that he fell on. And got scraped across the reef on. But the, but the monkey won't be lifted until we all in unison go, wow, that was insane. The yeah. monkey's lifted. like. And the one wave he got was gnarly, and he yeah. made the drop. That was gnarly. Yeah, but you're a professional surfer. You're yes. supposed to make the drop. Exactly. I'm talking about having the, the balls of Andy Irons, the balls of Julian Wilson. And the way that we know that from Andy, by the way, is all of the times he went to Chopu when there was no contest. Just yeah, to he's go surf on it. Yeah. Just to go surf it and get photos because that's where his passion was. So that's what we want to see from Felipe exactly. is what he does in the off season. Exactly. If in the off season he's just putting out free surf edits from lowers, doing big crazy airs, it's kind of like, well, we Everyone already know is. that. We already yeah. know that. So show up at Felipe. This is for you. Show I think up he at has. And you know, I think he has it in him. I think he's. I think he has the desire 
in him to get to that point in his career. I'm not confident that he has the bravado it takes to really paddle over the ledge. I and it and it is uh, it's doing him a, a disservice to say that he now has conquered it. You I know, agree. like I don't think that that's right. I, I, agree. I don't think he has. And if he has, show me. But I haven't seen it. And yeah. to this contest this year did not prove anything. Yeah. Regarding that. And that, by the way, I think it's also understandable. Like he's dedicated his life to getting to where he's at right now. Yes. And what Lori Towner is dedicating his life to is entirely different. And so you you need time and energy and repetition under your belt to actually achieve these things. I agree. Gabriel if we can just see doesn't little, have the time. If we can see little bits of improvement yeah. every year. Yeah. You know, when he's 28 years old, in five years, he should be charging chokes. People without a contest jersey on, he's going because it's it's his love. Eretz Aramburu style, Jeremy right. Flores style. Yes. Like, and by the way, people, listeners get all upset when we talk about this and they send hate social commentary commentary where they're like, you guys are dicks, like being mean to Felipe. Like I love Felipe. I it's want not being mean. It's acknowledging what's happening. It's yeah. acknowledging where he's choose to spend his time. Not saying he's incapable of no, improving. I, I anticipate that he's going to get there. I think he made the first move towards that this year. But also don't coddle him and be like, no. oh no, he's a superstar and he can do anything. No, no, no. No, he can't surf eight foot choke. Or he has no desire yet, it appears, to surf eight foot choke and we haven't. And you can't be a world yet. title holder yeah. with any sort of yeah. clout, you know, with any sort of like dignity, unless you're like, yeah. And I can't wait for Jaws to break too. Yeah. John, John, and Kelly, and those guys, and Andy, frankly. I mean, are there any world title guys where you go, oh man? You know what? Interestingly, somebody said, who's if if Felipe wins the world title this year, who's is who's has a bigger asterisk, his or C.J. Hobgood's in two thousand one? That's what I thought was a very interesting. And I said, CJ. Felipe, no, CJ, CJ charges. Yeah. No, uh, there's no question that CJ charges. The asterisk isn't to do with charging. The asterisk is to do with whether or not you were the best surfer in the world that year. And CJ, I don't feel like prove, didn't get the opportunity to fully prove it undeniably. They Felipe, stopped the tour after 9-11. Yeah. Right? So September. there was no Hawaiian. Was there no Hawaiian season? No, I there. think there were six events that year. There was no Hawaii. They, yeah. And there was no maybe Europe. But There's definitely no Europe. But my, my again, if the conversation is who's the best surfer in the world that year, CJ didn't prove it definitively. I feel like Gabriel has maybe not no, proved Felipe. it. Uh, right, Felipe has not proved it definitively, but at least it's okay. I get him mixed up too. <laughs> <laughs> at least Felipe has um, proven that he's the best at a lot of freaking things, you know. Like he's proven that he's not, or he's not proven that he's the best in this one thing, which is getting barreled on big. Yeah, but I always come back to I think the core fan base, guys like you and me, we want a well-rounded surfer. We absolutely. want a guy we can count on no to, to absolutely charge that yeah. we can be proud of. Which is, and it's kind of that's all I want. I just want to be able to go. I love that guy. It's he gay. charges and he does insane airs and he's. You should see him at Waimea Shore Break and oh my god, he rips the wave pool and god, when Chopu's eight foot, he's the guy's just going, man. That guy's inspiring me. That's all we want. It's Gabe, that's Gabe Medina this year. I dude, look, I agree with you. If I was a betting man, which I am. I would definitely put money on Gabe yeah. Medina to win the world title. It's Gabe this I year. I absolutely agree with that. And not only is he those things you just said, he's also the most tenacious and he the is. most 
like the most unflappable. Like yes. you cannot shake him. Yes. And he's the least intimidating or intimidatable. You yes. know, like he's just he's, he's, he's like the, the Oakland package. Raiders. That's what he reminds me. And I hate the Raiders, by the way, and I'm not a big fan of Gabe because uh, only because he's easy. To, he's we all need a guy with a black hat. Gabe's yeah. my guy with the black hat. Yeah. I'd much rather see Julian Wilson or Idolo come along and just snatch victory. But it's good for the sport if Gabe wins the title this year. It helps kind of ramp up the, J, the John John Gabe thing, which is really what we need. And Who's Felipe's nemesis? rival? Doesn't have one. That's lame. We I need think, one. Uh, he, this isn't his we rival. Need to create one. This isn't his rival, but the. Tell you who it is? It's Chopu. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. That's a good call. Um, what I think that it will do if Gabriel wins is validate your claim about the importance of the big barreling waves it proves to felipe that you can't win it without having the full rounded package and gabriel has that package and this highlights that you don't so get back to work buddy we all believe in you we all believe that you can have that but get back to work yes you know um i was excited to see owen wright make the final i forgot about owen wright i love owen wright i think he's a phenomenal surfer and even though I watched the entire event and he was making his way through it consistently, once he was in the final, I go, oh, yeah, Owen Wright's here. You know, like, good for him. Now, I want Owen to win because I prefer Owen. And in my own personal narrative of how I like, like I prefer Owen over Gabriel. But why? Um, it's the that. underdog. He's the underdog. In that scenario, he is the underdog. You know, so I'm rooting for the underdog. To there's win. no nationalism, even though he's Aussie. <laughs> no, there's no nationalism. There's no nationalism. Is there any racism? <laughs> I would argue no to both, but there is the idea that Gabe is so unstoppable. I want to root for somebody to stop him. You know, yes. but I'm acknowledging Gabriel's. I always root for prowess. the underdog. I was for for the record. I was rooting for Michael February to beat Were Philippe really? Toledo in that quarter. Was it the quarterfinals, dude? I, yeah, just because I want the underdog. Plus, I think it's better for this world title race if Philippe kind of goes down because it helps Julian. And I just think it's better if there's a tighter mix. If everyone's yeah. within five thousand, four thousand, two thousand points, it's way more drama. So I was I was starting to feel guilty as Michael Febbs made it through the event. Feel guilty about <laughs> you and I talking crap about him. Yeah. And then I almost put it in my notes like, do we need to talk about how the heck February did what he did? And then I'm like, no, that's mean spirited. But now here we are. Here I am bringing up the topic. Um, do we need to acknowledge egg on our face? Like he definitely. What did he make this quarterfinals? Well, yeah, I think we should only because we were so. Yeah, he made the quarter. We were so. Uh, outwardly kind of saying he he shouldn't even be on tour. We consistently have throughout the year, and then he's shut us up a number of times. I think Jay Bay might have been a result for him. Chopu is the sh event that I would have said, there's no way he makes it out of Me too. Two. Me too. And he did. But, but I have to also say that with a little bit of an asterisk, like other than his round four heat, like round three against Jordy Smith, Jordy Smith had an absolute meltdown. Jordy Smith had a 4.83 heat total. Michael February won the heat with a 9.66 I watched total. that heat. So that, that heat. you can't really say Febs ripped in that heat or did. Jordy made a mistake. He paddled for one of the first waves of a set, and the second wave was better, and he had priority, and that's the wave that February capitalized on. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. Jordy just, you know, and, Jordy and, just did a Jordy. Jordy's kind of over it. And Jordy's in the talk now as greatest to never win a world title yeah 
Febs also barely beat Connor Coffin by a similarly kind of lackluster yeah. uh, 7.67 heat total. So, But I would say that... But his round four heat, he trounced Carmichael and Zeke Lau. He, with barrels. He, yes. Yeah, that's so, what I'm going to say is that he's in, in full-on barrels... I can see how he can move through heats. Yeah. It's when we see him kind of opening up with his arms and his style and that knock knee thing, which is super groovy and uber. You know, he's almost got the only hipster on tour kind of thing. Like when I see him surf, I kind of go, oh, he kind of looks like, who's that one guy? Is it Wade Goodall? Who's the, no, who's the uber hipster guy that my son really likes who rides twin fins? Kind of, anyway. Bryce Young? No, but similar. Let's say Bryce Young. Michael February is like the Bryce Young oh, on tour. You know, Derek I mean. Disney. No, no, but similar to that. Similar to that. Though. Only rides twin fins. But my oh, point. I know. Asher Pacey. No, but if you said his <laughs> name, I'd say, yeah, that's the guy. I've said three names so far. He's some like zero. tall, lanky, blonde, Aussie guy that rides like big twin fins. And oh, things. Torn Martin. Yes, yeah. that's it. Torn Martin. So anyway, is Michael February the Torn Martin on tour? And do we need that on tour? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Do you we don't see- need it on tour. But he's been able to make it happen. He's been able. No, to but do he the hasn't been thing. able to make it happen. He's just now making yeah. it happen when that style doesn't show up on the canvas because right. he's pulling into the barrel. That's like he could do good in France if he's just pulling into barrels. You know what I mean? Like if it's yeah. a barrel event, I can see Michael February doing good. But oh, by the way, a lot of guys can do good in just only barrel events. It's truly when you have to open up your style on the wave face where you can kind of like cut the mustard. Is this guy Mick Fanning, or is he Torn Martin? Yeah. And there's a huge gap in at least performance-oriented surfing between those two. And right. I would suggest to you that Michael February is a little bit closer to Torn Martin than he is to Mick Fanning. Maybe that's being hypercritical. But then a couple of events throughout the year, he's done exactly what we didn't expect him to do, which was draw two really fiery competitors who are capable of getting big barrels at Chopu and then beat them solidly with not only surfing but heat strategy. It's like, oh, shoot, where did that come from? Do you think that there's like um, that the broadcasters they always seem to be super stoked that they're the inspiring story of Michael February? Does that have yeah. to do with, with his color and his race and where he's from in South Africa? Is that why it's so, inspiring? I think that's part of it. Does he sure. come from a like? Is he from poverty or something? Mm, I don't know. What's about the backstory that. there? I don't know about that backstory at all. Why don't we? That's my point. How come yeah. the WSL hasn't told us why he's so inspiring? And is it just because of the color of his skin? Maybe. I don't know. I've, yeah. I, I heard it yesterday, and I was like, well, tell me exactly why. Yeah. And it's almost like they all know, but they don't want to tell us. Or right. there's nothing there. Or it's just, maybe it's just, uh, I don't want to say as shallow as the color of his skin. No. Is that why we're inspired? Because mm. he's a black guy from South Africa? Well, that's And I mean, that is actually pretty a pretty big hurdle to jump over. I could see why. Yeah. But if that's the case, tell us. I'd like to learn about that. There's, in addition to that, there is, I mean, in addition to making inroads, um, into any sort of endeavor, sport, or business where you are a minority. Yes. That's fraught with peril and a For lot sure. of hurdles and For all that sure. sort of stuff. But I think that there's also just the coming from South Africa, there's a lot of economic challenges. There's geographical challenges. It's right. hard to get anywhere in the world from right. that point in the globe. So you mean this, so, despite the race, if you're just from South Africa, it's a nightmare because of yeah. the, the currency and all of that. And just, totally. And then with so Jordan, it could be that Travis Logie was inspiring. 
Very much so. Because With he Jordy, it it's less inspiring because he's such a preternatural talent that the world was throwing gobs of money at him and right. support and attention. Right. So he was always going to catapult into awareness. Right. But for anybody short of Jordy, there's a lot more barriers to entry. Yeah. And um, so and that's Fabs, why Michael February. Fabs. Do you call him Fabs? Is like, I do. Is that his nickname? Or is that Personally, your... when I'm in my head, like outlining shows, I'm Fabs. Do you talk um, to him internally, like in your head? When I DM him, he's never replied to a DM. No, I mean, but in it's your head, between too. the chop up, do you like a Fabs? It's Dave. What's up? And he like talks. That'll be the name of my next podcast. That is strictly me, like, and as monologue talking about surfing. It'll call between the chop up, under the chop up. <laughs> Not much there. Apparently, uh, <laughs> it'll be like mostly dead air. Um, yeah, but I think additionally, what makes him stand out? We're talking about why is he? What's so diverse about Febs? Is it just his skin color? It's also his style. That's part of it. He comes from a, he's presenting a very diverse version of surfing or, um, you know, a less traditional version of surfing than we're seeing from anybody else on tour. So that could be part of the diversity conversation. Hmm. Scott, what's your uh, spy optic must see moment? Well, mine is um, on Surfline, they've got Josh Kerr and the Mentwise writing some sick boards. Most of them, it looks like they're all from Matt at album surfboards, but they're quads and they're twins and the waves are killer. The waves are pumping and Josh gives some insight, which I think is really good insight about um, the boards he's riding and what he's looking for and that he's not trying to like digress performance wise, but he's trying to just surf different lines in the same sort of aggressive, well, maybe not aggressive, but performance and stylistic um, fashion that he normally rides waves, um, but without that sort of standard uh, WCT high performance tri-fin under his feet. So he's ripping on all sorts of different, I guess, alternative equipment, I would say. But he even cringes at the word like hipster or whatever um, because he doesn't want to go there. But um, he surfs incredible and and the, the waves are insane. The boards look incredible. I think they're mostly um, Matt Parker's boards from album, but I'm not positive, but that's what they look like. They've been working together a lot. Um, Must see moment. In, go on Surfline, check it out. It's pretty cool. Go on spitpodcast.com and check it out oh right come on scott that's right you do a great job of posting all the things we discuss on there uh and what's interesting from that is seeing him ride like five fours in big waves right yeah that black one that he's riding yeah small boards waves are pumping but they're also performing like those boards are still performing you know so um i like to see not i like to see alternative designs and shapes not just in crappy surf. You know what I mean? I'm just wondering where those waves are. Where that one big wave is where he's riding the black board and it's pretty big. It's yeah. like 12 foot. Powerful too. It might be bank vaults. Yeah. Could be bank vaults. Aren't you the guy who never discloses a spot? I didn't say that. Did I say that? Did I say? Anyway, I'll, I'll you bring up a good point. Um, it's not like no everyone goes there just to surf that wave. Everyone can I just so now you're justifying? Yeah, exactly. Your error. Thank you. Just accept I am. fault. Okay, I made a mistake. I apologize. My um, bioptic must see moment, must see happy moment, Scott. Oh, good. Is, My moment was happy. Totally happy. Yes. Is uh, the unrelenting relevance of Bobby Martinez? <laughs> Stab Magazine posted. Pretty cool. I saw some of it. They posted like a 10 minute video with Bobby um, traveling kind of around in Australia to a couple of different surf spots, multiple surf sessions. 
and various interviews in between those sessions that they cut together into this 10 minute uh, edit. Here's what's interesting to me. I mean, first of all, more Bobby footage, the better. Like Bobby still surfs tack sharp, super powerful, unbelievable flow. He's unbelievably fast. His boards made me want to order a Channel Islands. Like I was watching the amount of speed drive and flow like without really pumping at all just coming out of a turn going straight into a bottom turn just floating a section like it's all the board looks like it has a motor on it and it has a pulled in swallow. which which what i don't know what it was it might but have been was, the rocket wide it, i don't think it was it was longer and narrower and then a pulled in swallowtail with a twin quad fit? setup oh, he was riding oh. as a quad oh. and just looked like a freaking motor but i'll be honest his surfing always has looked like that yeah, so i don't fast. know if it's he's pretty sparky dependent. yeah but in drive though it's like this drive through everything so more bobby the better as far as i'm concerned i never tire of watching him surf Hearing him comment on wave pools and Olympics just makes him sound like an old curmudgeon, yes. which I think he's always been an old curmudgeon yes. from the time he was 12 years old. Yes. He just feel it feels like he's there's anti-everything. A, there's a lot of surfers are the worst when he's talking. Tons of cynicism. Yes. Tons of like, oh man, they should do it this way, not that way, which also sounds like us on this podcast. <laughs> but Good point. But, the, but I also... what also was shocking to me and i think Uh, um uplifting in a way is that he's still presumably making a living off of surfing this was sponsored by monster he's only i mean his only sponsor that i could see is monster and channel islands i don't know that channel islands would be paying him money i'm sure that they're floating in boards but monster is presumably paying him money and Good for him. I was like, holy cow, the fact that you can still make a living off of surfing by shirking the limelight and actually not trying to make a living off of surfing is kind of radical. And it also, I think, highlights how much we valid or we value good surfing. The reality is he's still surfing phenomenally well. Whether or not he's putting a minute out every month or a edit out every month is irrelevant. If he puts one out a year and Monster puts their logos on it, that seems to be worth their time and investment and it that's cool to me like that's cool that that can exist in surfing somebody who isn't a shameless self-promoter out there trying to gain social media fame they just get paid because they freaking shred and once a year they post a video and we all watch it and realize that he would actually have relevance in chopu last week yeah i that's a great point that's radical. The, the bottom line is, is that he's fun to watch surf. That's all that matters, right? And then the stuff that he says off is interesting because it's going to be, it's going to be kind of um, maybe a little bit ignorant, but also kind of scathing. Yeah. And um, that's kind of interesting. It's in many ways, it's kind of like a car wreck. Like you're like, okay, I'm going to tweak my neck and look at the car wreck as I drive by, and so you're always kind of looking for the car wreck with Bobby. You know, yeah. verbally, like whatever yeah. he's going to say. And he's sort of, I was thinking, he's kind of the opposite of like the Godowskis brothers. Like if they're the positive vibe warriors. He's the he's, negative he's vibe the warrior. He's the negative vibe warrior. <laughs> Thank Dude, you. New stickers. Thank you. New stickers. Negative right vibe warrior. That is so <laughs> Isn't that what good. he is? Yeah. Super. Yeah. He's, is. Now, my question to you is who surfs better, Bobby or the positive vibe warrior, like Tanner? Bobby or Tanner? That'd be a phenomenal heat. They're kind of similar, huh? They're, yeah. Of the three Gadaskis brothers, who's your favorite? 
Like who serves the best? Tanner. Not, yeah, Tanner. I would agree. Yeah. So that would be a good heat. Those two guys at Chopu, could they surf it better than Felipe? Yeah. I agree. They could. Right now, you would... Especially if Chopu was big. That's what I mean. No, it's got to be big. Yeah. It's got to be, let's say it's six to yeah, eight yeah. feet, you know. Oh, yeah. Bobby's one out there twice. Bobby and Tanner charges. All those good ass yeah. brothers charge. So that would be a cool heat. Yeah. That's a UFC model heat right there. That's yeah. how the... Our, David and Scott's UFC model. We're going to yeah. come up with a name. That's how it would work. Yeah. We'd go, you know what? Because Bobby is Bobby Martinez was built for a UFC model and surfing. Yeah, he we could market the shit out of him for years, yeah. and somebody should. We should have Tanner and Bobby throw down a challenge to Felipe. Let's go do this world title, world champ. You know, yeah. like that would be fun, and there'd be a lot of money. It'd be pay per view. We'd get it going right. We'd do it right. Boom. I'm the tepid vibe warrior. <laughs> tepid vibe warrior. I'm just like, you know. I see the anger and I see the positivity and uh, I see positive and be- pros and cons in both sides. And uh, I think that they should just play it right down the middle. The tepid vibe warrior. <laughs> um, I'm the Wayne Dyer vibe warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Explain it. Uh, just go on YouTube, just Google Wayne Dyer and begin. Um, so spyoptic.com, obviously use our promo code podcast if you ever buy product from spy and then we get incentivized for this show yeah that's how they know that you came from yes here. yes um, podcast in the and we're yeah in the promo code in the promo code and we're podcast. psyched right are you wearing spies i am we're psyched on Super the product psyched. and obviously the happy lens i need to get some prescription spies they do make they they have that Will they function. get me some yeah 100%. thank you spy yeah for just pres- regular glasses or for both sunglasses. everything because they do regular glasses too i need them um but I so I want to I try to set this up as like this must see happy moment. So it starts out as a must see moment where you're like Bobby, but the guy's a curmudgeon. Turned but into negative. I turn it into a positive. Right. I must see happy. So the initial viewing is like Bobby's a curmudgeon. All he does is talk crap. But the happy part is wow, holy crap, he can still make a living off surfing, which means that we value good surfing above all. Like it doesn't matter. What's going on? If you can shred, we want to see it. Doesn't matter your politics. Doesn't matter. And then also, the the happy part of it is just watching the phenomenal surfing. But him talking is part of the allure. Like he's like is. looking at the car wreck, the possible car wreck, yeah. and the dead people in the car is part of the allure. It but is. he does, and you mentioned this. He does benefit. He, the fact that he's not out there a lot benefits it makes me want to look a little bit like if he was every week another bobby martinez drop i'd be like okay whatever agreed but because it's only once every six months yeah but i'm not opposed to him talking i'm Um, not either i'm pro him talking no but what i'm saying is i also don't have place any value in it really like i would not want to hear a podcast with bobby necessarily no 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 Um, i just want to hear a little sound bites but even the sound bites i'm never he's never said anything prolific I know that the, just the way it's, it's going. No, he has. He said one one time he said something very prolific. You want to restate it? Todd Klein was there. Oh, just Google Todd Klein and Bobby Martinez on WSL. And I forget exactly, but there was an F-bomb. Yeah, we don't need the F in tennis tour. It, oh, yeah. yeah. But I, what I'm saying How is. How cool would it be? I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. How cool would it be if the WSL invited Bobby Martinez to come up to the wave pool and. and, and Commentate? No, no, not commentate. <laughs> Be a wild card. I'd rather see him comment. Now I'm going to go against what I was just saying about not wanting to hear him talk. 
I'd rather see him commentate than surf the wave pool. I, but I I'd rather see that wave pool. I'd rather see him surf Chopu than commentate Chopu. Right. You know. All right. Moving on. Um, I got a Duke and Kook. Yeah, I've got a Duke. I don't really want to do a Kook. I don't want to talk negatively about people. Negative vibe warrior. <laughs> That's pretty good. So my Duke, I've mentioned already, Shane and Courtney Magnuson. They were oh. warm and welcoming at awesome. Waco's uh, Barefoot Ski Ranch. And by the way, they didn't know me from Adam. I didn't, you know, I just showed up and I was just another Joe Blow kook guy. And they were really cool to me. Awesome. And my family and everybody that shows up there. So I'm glad to hear that. It was really neat to uh, to to feel the Texas hospitality there. I, and I'm glad to see Shane in that role. Like I was, he's loved- really good. I'd never met him before. He's such a cool guy. He yeah. was really, really. You know, he's Clay, Ma- Clay Marzo's half brother or step brother. I didn't know that. I knew yeah. that he was. Uh, Magnuson, Tony, is it Tony Magnuson, the pro skater? He's his son. Oh, well, they ended up, Tony or his ex ended up in Maui and uh, him and Clay Marzo are brothers. I don't know if it's half or stepbrothers, but they were raised together. And I always loved Shane as a surfer and I thought he was a phenomenal surfer. And then I'm glad to see him kind of revitalize his career in this role. So shout out. My Duke is Seth Moniz. For being arguably the best, one of the best aerialists that goes unnoticed. He's done the best wave we've ever seen, or the best air we've ever seen in a wave pool. Unnoticed. The one at Waco. When you think of aerialists, do you think of Seth Moniz? No, but you, so you're right. Because the thing he did at the US Open was better than the thing at Waco, I think. That's my point. That's my point is his backside air at HB is why I put him as my Duke. He is the most underrated aerialist. Thank you. Great point. Thank you. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait, he's the same guy who did it in Waco, too. Quietly, under the radar, the best aerialist who's for, uh, focusing on competitive surfing. But it's like, dude, he's the best aerialist. The backside crazy recovery in Huntington Beach was the highlight of the U.S. Open. Yeah, that it was, was cool. freaking radical. By the way, I kick your ass in the um, Kai versus John John Florence all of the listeners, like 90% of them were like, David's got to be high. What is he smoking? Because it is clearly obvious that Kai Lenny is the better waterman. I'm editing this portion out of the show. You know it to be true. Here's the deal. I would never admit publicly that I lost any debate. So let me say that first before I continue <laughs> on and not acknowledge what you said. Um, it will be terrible pod if you and I agree with each other all the time. Oh, this no, no. This was a sincere. You sincerely think that John John Florence is a better waterman than Kai Lenny? You do? Nope. Not conceding to that either, because I won't admit. But what I'm saying is, you throw out claims all the time, and in that sense, it was just like, oh, Kai Lenny's the best waterman, and then you're continuing on. And I'm not saying I've taken the temperature of this entire thing, but I know you haven't either. And so all I know, Bullshit. I know that you, you don't know I haven't. No, I know you haven't. I obviously have because 90% of the listeners are like, Scott, you're right on. I know exactly. It worked out in your favor in that scenario. No, no, no. Yes. Believe me, yeah. I wouldn't have opened my big mouth without knowing that I was going to win. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully for me, most I'm often than not. looking Paige Holmes. That's going to be a fascinating <laughs> Exactly. Part. So I know, like, so in, I know that in, and I do the same thing, by the way. In I the podcast. I'm not admitting to doing that. So just stop exactly. right there. Neither of us will admit to anything. But my point is, it's important for this podcast for us to just say things with certainty and then for the other person to challenge the certainty. So that's all I'm saying is, John John would be a contender. I'm certain that you're full of shit. That's what I'm certain of. All those listeners, 
I, I'm not even choosing to acknowledge those listeners or their validity in this conversation. Um, yeah, whatever. My kook yeah. of the week is the New Zealand shooter. Are you familiar with this? No. A father and his best mate and his son paddled out at a heavily localized uh, left-hand point break off the coast of New Zealand, off the Taharoa coast, and somebody shot at them in the water from the coastline. <laughs> a bullet hit the water near a 14-year-old surfer at the West Coast break. Some surfers say is by invitation only. At first, they thought someone they thought someone had fired at a goat or pig in the coastal bush. The second shot sounded a lot closer, and then the third landed in the water adjacent to where they were. They actually got to the spot is only accessible um, by a private property. So they accessed the spot by a jet ski. And when they were in the lineup, those shots happened. Then after that third shot, they noticed that there were surfers spotted uh, along the bank of the shore who were screaming abuse at them is the quote from the local paper. Uh So terrified, the trio returned immediately to the boat ramp and then called the authorities, called the police. Um, so basically a heavily localized spot that took gunplay, brought gunplay into the equation, equation shot at the uninvited surfers in the lineup to, uh, threaten them and intimidate them out of their local spot. Wow. How crazy. Surfers are the worst. Is that worth a kook, Scott? Totally. Okay. So as you try not to include a kook every episode, right. that is a kook move, undeniably. No, that is true. Kooks exist. No, they, they do. They it's do. Many kook. times I am the kook. I know. So it's incumbent upon us to um, call them out for their kookiness. Now, here's, here's that's my That's kind quest. of beyond kookiness. <laughs> beyond. That, that's like criminal. Now, completely. And here's my question to you. Here's how kooky it is. This incident is going to draw more attention to this surf spot than any right. video clip would have. We should know? name the surf spot. What is it? What is it really called? Let's just know, name it for it. the sake of. I mean, if we're gonna go the whole way, you know what I mean. You kind of need to name it just I to like. I'm not opposed to that, but I don't know the name of it. Right. And by the way, your moral code would. In, I know. Would state that you wouldn't name it. So stick by your moral code. Right. Don't undermine your code just to vilify these guys. You're right. But. The, that is the absolute truth is this story is going to garner so much more attention to that surf spot than any video clip ever would have. So that's how stupid and kooky the shooter is. Here's my follow-up question to you. What's the worst incident of localism you ever uh, experienced? Were you ever on the receiving end of? Yeah, one couple, one time at, Pal- at Lunata Bay. What happened? It wasn't that bad. It was... Um... It's funny. So I, one of my good friends um, is a Lunata guy. He's a, a Lunata local, or he was back in the 80s. So he took us up. He took me up there. And we walked out on the, the little porch, the little patio there on the point, you know, the little, the little camp thing. And um, we hung out with the locals, and my friend knows them all. And so I was, like, meeting them, shaking them. Everything was totally cool, you know? Um, and then we paddled out, and I thought everything was totally cool. <laughs> and, and, you know, just minor shit, like one guy in particular, like, splashing water at me. You know, it wasn't anything, like, they didn't say go in or anything. It was just kind of like, even though you're with somebody that's a local, you can still get hassled by he their... He just paddled by and splashed yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, How 
childish is that? I mean, how yeah. ineffective is no, that? No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't very big. I don't. I don't think I've had any. That's unbelievably like ineffective and childish. Like if you're gonna try to intimidate somebody, that's one thing. But splashing water isn't even intimidating. Yeah, I don't think I've had any major. Um, I can't think of any major localism things. I'm know? glad to hear this. You know why? Why? Because there's an honor among thieves, you know, and I feel like localism is the thief in this analogy, but there's a way to avoid localism and that is to be respectful to locals. Yeah. It's the reason why you and I haven't is because we've shown up and been respectful at places and worked within kind of the framework of acceptable yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Show I, up by yourself Head down, low key. Don't don't paddle into set waves. Like don't battle for a set wave no. with guys who have been surfing it yeah. on the crappiest days for the yeah. last twenty years. Yeah. So, I one incident that I had was uh, parking at Velzyland and then just like getting out to check the waves and just walking down the beach a little bit and like a rock flying past my head into the sand. You're kidding. No. Just fully like a rock, just like I kind of looking down at the sand, walking with my head down and a rock just like lands thud right in the sand. And I'm like, oh, look around behind me. There's nobody around like nobody. Somebody was in the bushes, apparently. But just an intimidation factor. I doubt he was trying to hit my head. It was more just in to scare you. Um, And the waves are crappy. So I didn't end up surfing there anyways. But I was like, okay, I guess they don't want us here. You know, sadly... Um, as I think about it, I've probably been, um, I've done more kooky things to people and I'm not, like I say, I'm not proud of it. You right. know, it's not something that, but I also am well acknowledged that I've been a jerk yeah. to people in the water. And like I said, you know, I, I sit here and I excavate it and I think about it and it's not something that I'm proud of, but I, I do think it's important for me to acknowledge it sure. to, to go, you know what? I was a dick. Right. And um, I'm trying to not be that way, you know. I'm, I'm trying to grow. As I'm, I'm, it's taking me a long time, but I'm trying to mature. You at, know. At what age was your last incident of being a dick like that? Like, was it in um, probably your like thirty something? Really? Yeah. I thought it was when you chandeliered Ashton at the Wave Ranch Surf Ranch. <laughs> that was last. That was like six months ago. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. No, I'd say probably my. 30s. No, what? So that wasn't it? No, that was just, I was just trying to, I was, I didn't know if Ashton could surf. I'm like, he was guy, getting shacked. This guy might fall. Chandeliered this him guy, hard. This guy might fall. And if he does, we can't let this wave go by. Those waves are worth that, a lot of money. That, so that's the ultimate localism dick move was. I'm not gave, a local at the wave. He man. gave you zero evidence to indicate that he's a kook and that he wasn't going to make that barrel. In fact, he did the opposite. Yeah. He's the editor-in-chief of a surf mag, <laughs> and he's traveled around the world surfing, and he's getting shacked right in front of you, and you still paddled to the point of chandelier. Now, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, but I had the same incident with Zach Weisberg getting barreled coming right at me, and I was like right at the point that you were at where I'm like, I'm either going to chandelier this thing, or I need to just back off. He's getting shacked right in front of me. I backed off and a split second later or a split second after he came out of my view and I gave up and like just uh, let out a huff, he ate it and came up out of the back of the wave. And I was like, oh, one more paddle. I would have witnessed him fall and I could have gone on this thing and poached in the barrel section and I didn't go and I've kicked myself ever since. And so 
uh, yeah. I'm well, first of all, th- those two incidents, Ashton and you with Zach, those weren't incidents of localism. Those were just like being on the playing field. I know. You know what I mean? I but, know. you know, so incidents where I've like verbally said something, you know, is embarrassing, you know, and it's not something that I want to be remembered for. Um, and so I guess I'm making a, I'm trying to live my life so that there's a living amends so that I can change my actions yeah. so that my actions will speak louder than the words simply being said here over the microphone. Well, I'm glad to hear that that was, um, that that was in your thirties was your last incident that yeah. you can be shame, yeah. shameful about. Yeah. Cause I remember being embarrassingly, i being a dick when I was younger. Surfers are the worst. Yeah. When I was younger, just trying to kind of puff out your chest and try to yeah. prove that you are yeah. a man or whatever. Yeah. Like, that I remembered trying a couple of times and being almost instantly embarrassed by it, you know? I have a lot of entitlement issues, like where I think it's like, don't you know who I am? And it's total bullshit, you know? It's yeah. totally lame. And again, I'm I'm trying to, uh, you know, get in therapy about it and wrap my head around it and understand it, you know? The embarrassing thing about that, I think we've all had experiences of that because we've all advanced in some part of our world whether it was our career or some sport that we did when we were young or just you all you kind of get to a point of pride and then ego steps in yes and you start treating the people the underlings yes around you yes just with a little bit different than you would if you were beneath them yeah lacking humility yeah and i what's embarrassing about that is you recognize with age and humility that there's always bigger and better no matter, you can earn a billion dollars. There's somebody who has two billion. You know, you can become the CEO, and then you realize there's an industry where the smallest company trumps your company. Like you can be, you know, it, and Kelly. Well, I always look at it like you can learn from people. Like you can learn from everyone. And as soon as you think you can't learn from them, like yeah. you're above learning from them, then you're ready. Pride goeth before the fall. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And what we do in the surfing world is so small and not meaningful it's compared so to the rest of the it world. It really is, yes. That to ever develop any sense of ego based on I know. an That's accomplishment the worst in surfing That's why surfers are the is worst. the saddest thing of exactly. all. It's just like, ooh, yeah. you missed the point exactly. of, the whole of thing. Mother Nature yeah, the and whole being thing. in the ocean. Yeah, You've been involved in this thing for 40 years and you still haven't figured it out? Lost the point. Lost it, yeah. yeah. So thank goodness that we're trying to grow still because once we stop trying to learn, then things aren't going to be good for us. Well, this has been a therapeutic episode I know, of Spit, I know. Scott. We mentioned I'm Wayne honored. Dyer. We, yeah. I'm honored to be here <laughs> on this journey of spitballing with you. Spitballing. Um, do you have any idea how, what number episode this is? How many episodes of Spit we've done? Don't look at your phone. Don't um, uh, 150. Good guess, but this is our 117th episode of Spit. Oh. That is uh, probably 300 hours of spitting that we've done. Um, this Let me throw a... some ego at you. Yeah, that's right. How many episodes have I done of all of my shows since 2005? Since down the Line Radio, 2005. No, in, it was called In the Lineup back then. I'm going to guess 500. I don't even know. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I guess what I'm trying to do is puff up my chest. 500, I'd say. <laughs> Maybe. Um, All we have is today, David. Well, thanks for keeping us in the game, 
needessentials.com, spyoptic.com, promo code podcast. I had people, somebody messaged me this last week saying that he was buying something on Need's website, needessentials.com, and he was like, do you guys have a promo code? I want to make sure that you guys get incentivized. They don't have a promo code, but let them know that we sent you. Yeah. Rob is the guy in the U.S., uh, running the U.S., so Rob will hook you up, and then Ryan in Australia is the guy running that one. So if you're in Australia, you buy, tell Ryan you heard from us. If you're in California or the U.S., tell Rob that you ordered because of us and you wanted amazing product. And then, of course, spyoptic.com, promo code podcast. That lets them know. Um, Everybody needs sunglasses. Just make sure you get them from Spy. Absolutely. Correct. And the Steve Sherman pod on Boardroom. Next uh, week. Is that going to be Friday or Monday or when? You call it. We did, um, we released Timmy Patterson last Monday. So a week ago, was it last Monday or was it Friday? I think it was Friday. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Well, every two weeks, boardroom podcast. Okay, so Steve Sherman coming up. It's a good one, too. It was very good. He really opens up. All right. Until next time, adios and aloha.